Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And this week we have guests. So, uh, welcome everyone. I'd like to give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Charlie. I use uh, they them pronouns, and I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna posit myself as a Kenny Omega super fan because I'm not, that's just no. But uh, I do have a podcast with my partner called Match Club, and Mikey can introduce himself now. I was about to jump in right after you said your pronouns, like we do for Match Club, and then you kept talking, and I was so thrown. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> we usually do, and I'm Mikey, and I use your pronouns. <laughs> and then I was like, no, they're still talking. I'm, I'm so lost. Excellent. They've already caught up with how we do things. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I also, I am said partner who does Match Club said podcast, um, and I also do some other things like tabletop game design and writing sometimes and graphic design other times mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we'll give you an opportunity at the end of the show to do like official plugs or you can be like yeah go to xyz at itch.io or you know those various things mostly because i also want to plug the fact that one of my games is on sale right now oh hell yeah <laughs> i mean yeah um uh, this is actually not a wrestling podcast. This is a tangent podcast. <laughs> we just frame it around wrestling. It's 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 framed around wrestling, but it's predominantly us going on tangents. At one point, I talked specifically about like a, a there was that time that I talked about like New Jersey stuff for a solid like thirty minutes. But how you in the knew middle. the guy in the back alley who sold the VHS Right, the guy who bootlegs. sold the v bootleg DVDs. <laughs> oh, thank you for... Quantum uh, dot dot. Oh, thank you. Shooting at... Sh yeah, sorry. It's not the same as my Twitch or my... Um... Proper ties. There you go. Yeah, unfortunately, I was a fool when I first joined Twitter in like 20... 2008. 2009 2008 i had quantum dot and then because it was very trendy at the time to change your username around a bunch i changed mm -hmm. it to a half-life themed uh username and i didn't think about the fact that people would take my old username and that i might <laughs> want it back yep. at some point um so then someone stole it and <clears throat> left twitter on like 20 in like 2011 which honestly uh, big ups to them for doing so and getting off before you know while while they still could um but now i have i had to be quantum dot dot when i tried to like rebrand and make everything the same and not have my twitter be like hulkling or you know whatever yeah, like, my, well, I, I wanted to have like i wanted it to be me then instead of like represent like being based on 
uh like i wanted it to be my own identity versus like the identity of whatever transient fandom i was in at the time yeah no i got you. oh transient fandoms sometimes they rear up and i remember that i cared about supernatural but what yep. a you know yeah. what a few couple of weeks to remember that oh my god yeah like these <laughs> last you, couple you heard of about weeks the spanish thing yes i've been following the whole fan it feels like for the first time in years that tumblr is back to like 2012 level tumblr because yeah. everything mm -hmm. is supernatural there's a lot of pictures of misha collins that i have to scroll past and everyone's <laughs> upset it's perfectly 2012 tumblr Oh my god, and everyone's upset. There you go. That's it. yeah. I've been like, getting all the news through Cat for this. It's so like, I just know the car went to heaven, and I'm happy for that. The car went to heaven, but the gay angel was <laughs> stuck in super hell. <laughs> I, um, like everybody, like basically every third Supernatural fan says that Supernatural ended in season five. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know. Um, yeah, I'm I watched just... way too long then. Well, here's the thing. I went back with no, obviously, with no recollection that Supernatural was ending shortly or that it was going to be ending in like a month after I did this. I started a rewatch. Like I just watched, I just started watching Supernatural because it was like something to have on the background. And I think seasons one through five are super solid and you can watch them at any point in time. Um, and basically i started going through everything that i hadn't seen because i'd seen stuff past five but it was like in and out like i was just like looking at like watching random episodes so i just like well let's give it a try past this point and you know it got to about season nine and i was like okay you know the show still feels like the show like it still feels like supernatural and then we just go off the rails hard and mm -hmm. i'm just like Okay. The, the, didn't they have a Scooby Doo crossover episode? Mm -hmm. They did have a Scooby Doo crossover episode. That was that was a lot. Um, Wild. Yeah. Well, and then you said like there was one episode from like a recent season that you saw that didn't involve Dean and um, Sam. Sam, thank you. Like, Sammy. At, <laughs> uh, like at all, and it was just like somebody wrote like their Vampire the Masquerade campaign. Yeah, truly. It was like its own episode. Mm-hmm. It was about um, like it was about Chicago being run by mon monster like mafia mo like uh, like basically like cabals of different monsters. That sounds like a just the Dresden Files yeah, fanfic. Like, yeah, exactly. It could have been its own show. Sam and Dean were in it maybe for ten minutes. I could. They they could. Okay, I should go back and watch that one. Actually, it was pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it. It just sounded like an Urban Shadows campaign or something. Yeah. <laughs> Although Urban Shadows has this weird thing where like everybody has, I'm sorry, the tabletop. No, 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 that's yeah. okay. I assumed we were going to talk a lot about tabletop. <laughs> like Urban up. Shadows does have this weird thing where like everybody has to be in like a faction and it's ideal if you have someone like it, every character to be in like different factions. And I have a lot of mechanical grumbles with Urban Shadows like from when I read through it and it was like, you would almost like get penalized for using your powers or for interacting with like the because you had like a doom track essentially and like every time you used your powers um or certain moves it would move up your doom track and yeah the corruption mechanic exactly and it's like 
to me as a game designer, that feels bad. Like I get what, where it's coming from. It's coming from like a very white wolf, like old school, like mentality of like, oh yes, it's dangerous to tap into these supernatural powers, but oops, sorry, I bought my mic. But at the same time, it's like, I'm playing a game. I'm playing by a power, a power by apocalypse game. It doesn't feel good to f- be punished for doing the thing that makes my character cool, you know? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel good to be punished just for, like, you know, playing a PBTA game the way those games are meant to be played. Mm-hmm. That's weird because most Power by the Apocalypse games are, like, usually the best outcome or, like, the most fun outcome or, like, the most interesting outcome mm-hmm. is when you do bad. Like, yep. so like reverting it back to something that feels like D&D where you're being punished for not doing good feels really weird. <laughs> yeah, I read through the rules and I'm like, I don't know that I would ever play this game. Like, yeah, uh, on the other hand, Aitsu mentions masks. I love masks. Charlie and I have been mm-hmm. playing in a, gosh, how many years has it been at this point? We've done one, like, okay, imagine... Like you have a show and it runs for three seasons and then that show is over, but then they say, okay, we want to do something in another part of this same universe. So it's like, it's a spinoff, uh, a spinoff show. Like we've done that. We had three seasons of a Marvel based masks campaign set on earth. And then we're like, we still want to play in this universe. So we went to space. That's and fun. So it's so we did cosmic Marvel. Think, yeah. So like, we started a cosmic. We based it in cosmic Marvel because that was part of the universe that we were playing in that we ne- had never touched. And we were like, okay, this. And then Mikey and I got really into wrestling. Um, so it comes. We'll come back around to Kenny Omega um, <laughs> because a lot of the our a lot of the NPCs and a lot of like some of my like my character um, are all based on wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. We should definitely figure out a way to get together and play masks again. Yeah, we've I been would... doing it for over two years at this point. I mm-hmm. want to try to get into more games that I don't stream and or make into podcasts because I'd like to have a relationship with tabletop RPGs that isn't just about monetization. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, this like we record every session and there's some of our friends that are like, that sounds dope. I just want to listen to it that we're like, yeah, sure. Here's the Dropbox. So we record every session, but it's not for content. And it has been so like uh, similar to you, like having had a lot of my games be like streamed games or, you know, something where I'm doing or I'm, you know, doing it in that way that feels like content or where people are thinking about making it into content. It becomes so much more personal and Mm -hmm. the other thing is like you don't constantly have to think about you know because when i'm developing something for like a streaming audience it's like there are certain boundaries that i want to put myself in because it's like i don't want to make the streaming audience uncomfortable when we bump into stuff because that's as important to me as what makes the players uncomfortable right it's like yeah you know there's a lot to be said about like establishing a like consent with the audience because it's not just the players you have to be concerned about it's the you know people who are watching you play yeah, you're inviting yeah. them to do this they should feel safe doing it right right you know so like it's... you'll mess up but it's a bit how you handle those screw-ups too right right and i think that's like the thing that people don't think about with that because it's like you know when i'm at a group with like four friends 
we know that if I'm exploring like the nature of like colonialism or something, like we're all doing it in a responsible way, but someone tuning into a podcast for like one episode might not necessarily understand like what we're doing there. Or like if I have a trans mass character, that's a villain because, you know, I also have other trans mass characters that aren't, but they just see that episode that the trans mass character is the villain. Then it's like, like that, exploring that in a personal space versus a streamed content space is like totally different. And I probably would have done it totally different if it was like for content. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we have to talk about wrestling at some point. We do. Yeah. So well, I, I brought up masks because yeah. uh, we have a, uh, so you all know Nowhere from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. like yep. from the MCU Guardians of the Galaxy, which obviously it's a place in Marvel Comics too. Um, we have a, like we had like a wrestling um uh, like a federation set up on nowhere mm-hmm. um and and there's a lot of wrestling feder- there's like a couple wrestling federations in the galaxy um and we had we made um my character val who is basically what if john moxley was kind of also adam page but also yeah. marvell like and so cm punk and see and see a little bit of cm punk so i like blended all of those things together mm-hmm. um and npc that mikey made his name is phoenix quill and he's if kenny omega was star lord mm-hmm. <laughs> that's amazing yeah. yeah so instead of peter quill he's phoenix quill that's phenomenal yeah because you know like which is funny because um i was like uh, this total nerdo would just name himself something like phoenix quill um like he has the phoenix down you know one winged angel blah 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 mm-hmm um you know it all goes together and then so kenny i watched an interview i can't remember when it was it was between it was like after dominion 2017 um where he's like going around to all these different locations in tokyo like he goes to the first ring that he ever wrestled in with ddt and then he goes to the store, this uh, video game store, this used video game store. And he's talking about where he came up with the name Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. And the Omega is the Omega weapon from Final Fantasy VIII. Yep. Because um, he wanted this like godly, like unstoppable thing. But then he's like, I want to be a weapon, but I want to be human too. So what's like a good name? And like, he didn't like his, his real name his shoot name Tyson because people used to make fun of him with Mike Tyson and also he's just like it just doesn't sound tough so like and it doesn't sound like Tyson Omega like I guess that could but I wanted to have something that wasn't my real name so what could it be um and then he was just like trying out different names to see how they sounded and he liked the way Kenny Omega sounded together Um, like it wasn't I thought maybe it would be like Ken from you know like Street Fighter or one of the fighting games Mm -hmm. I can't remember that's what I would assume but it, I don't think it was. I think it was just like what name sounds good and cool. I mean, it sounds. It's a good. It's a. It's good. Yeah, it's a good name. I mean, but like I that's that how like I picked really my name. I just went with what sounds good and cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not hard. Charlie. Mine. Charlie named me, so like Charlie just came up with a nickname and it stuck. So <laughs> you know, that's just the way things go sometimes. Yeah. Um. I mean, Phoenix Quill is perhaps a more Kenny Omega name than Kenny Omega. <laughs> it is. It is a little bit. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Phoenix Quill is on nowhere with the young bots who are robots. Uh, who yeah, are, like yeah, you know how bots. the Destiny robots are. It's like it's like that, or the um, 
the sense and destiny, whatever they're called. It's like that, but um, there's there's some art of that someone drew like one of the synthetics from Destiny in like workout gear, and I saw that, and I'm like, yes, that's it, that's <laughs> it, that's that's these characters. Yeah, so they so, are the star. They are the Starlight Elite. So yeah, and it's good for wrestlers because then in Destiny, like anytime the body goes away, like they back up the core, and like that was kind of my thought was like they can just wrestle however they want to wrestle, and then. Like so, it's M four and N one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's good. It was it. it my, it's been one of my favorite creations that Mikey has ever like yeah. made. It's very and, good. Yeah, and then if you know Carolina Dean from Runaways, the you know, um, sparkly le- uh, lesbian, I think is how she <laughs> yeah, identifies. She's a lesbian, yeah. Yeah, I had to think for a second because comic books, but she turns into like sparkly rainbows and stuff. Um, Kota Ibushi is one of those kinds mm-hmm. of aliens. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's literally, um, you know, a glowy rainbow. Kota Ibushi Himbo Extreme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, I want to, th- like, you know how Kota's talked about how he lives, like, the 25-hour days? <laughs> <laughs> what if Kota yep. just has non-24 and, like, doesn't know about non-24? What is non-24? So it's where your sleep cycle and your like mental schedule and everything like that, it's a condition where you basically you live on 25 to 27 hour days. It sounds like it. But like you don't actually, obviously like, so like, you know, your whole circadian rhythm and everything like that is set up for a day that's longer than what the actual day is. So yeah. like... Maybe Honestly, he's just I, gotten on 24. I don't like Maybe. to like diagnose celebrities or something like that because like I know some people do that and it's really gross. But however, it sounds almost like that that is a distinct possibility. Yeah, because like, I, he I, said he's been doing it since high school and he's yeah. like 35 or something, right? Certainly, I'm not trying to like give him an official diagnosis or just you know. It's one of those. Hey, that sounds like you might have non twenty four. And I know like the twenty five hour sleep cycle thing. A lot of people learned about that because of XKCD. Mm -hmm. And hey, I don't think Kota Ibushi reads web comics. I don't think he reads much. And that's not saying he's dumb. He's just he. It's not not working out or eating, so he doesn't do it. Right. Yeah. It's he's lives on a different plane. He it's vibrates. Either Ko- yep. It's one of three things. Okay, it's either Kota Ibushi has non twenty four. Kota Ibushi's not from our universe, or Kota Ibushi has been taking the Kenny Omega V Trigger pre workout before any of us. Have done it. <laughs> oh I would God. believe any of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what what was the thing that I said I would bring up once we were on the podcast actually? Um, 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 I'm trying I, like, to remember. Deferred. We've talked about so many things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Like, it was I want to Omega specific. Yes. Thing. Okay. So, um, for those of you not in the know, we're just gonna give the quick clarification. Kenny Omega did an ARG leading up to the release of a uh, pre-workout supplement and T-shirt, where you and get like the combo of the t-shirt and the pre-workout but like one in every 200 of the t-shirts i think it's a t-shirt 5,000 bundles 250 of them randomly ordered like it's like a lottery right. 250 of those randomly ordered will be signed it's a, it's the canister will be signed not the t-shirt the canister <laughs> okay, so, pre-workout so it's, yeah. a, it's a pre-workout gotcha pun game it's yep. it's yeah 
pre-workout Genshin Impact. It's, it's yeah. just like something Kenny Omega would do. Yeah. However, I there were people calling it gambling on Twitter, and like, I don't think that it's gambling any more than like any other limited edition product is gambling. It's um, called those people one don't like just don't know how, just don't know anything about anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's not gambling. It's not a pyramid scheme. He's it, not selling you Cutco knives and wanting you to sell Cutco knives for him. There's... He's not. He's not saying there's not enough. Like if he was, if it was a pyramid scheme, it would not be limited to five thousand. I can guarantee you that. Right. Like that's the, not the point how pyramid of schemes the, work. the way the pyramid schemes work are that like person says to person A and B, if you sell this product for me, you'll make X percentage of the sales. I'll make you know Y percentage, and then those people can recruit other people. So it's like you have different tiers of. Like people who are basically just you make money by recruiting other people it's like a cult it's like yeah. a cult it's a, it's a cult it's cult x trickle down economics yeah it, yeah it, not even a cool cult yeah no it's, not it's even, like it's not you have the to, dark order yeah you have to join a mary kay cult yeah, yeah. <laughs> mary kay or knives or um jewelry like cheap jewelry is another big one mm-hmm. Um, essential, oils? Knives. essential oils, oh, essential ju- oils. Yeah. Uh, yeah, essential oils. Is uh, really, really low quality sex toys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For like housewives, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's been a whole thing. If anyone can remember the thing that I was going to say at the beginning, um, that it, would be great. We'll probably come back around. Yeah, we'll to probably it. come back. But back this it. leads me to uh, we'll we'll come to it at some point. But did what did what did you think you guys think about um dynamite from wednesday do we need to explain have... who kenny omega is do we yeah we also... talk about kenny omega like, yeah so let's, let's do is. like a quick primer for the audience just i i know we've talked about kenny omega a lot on the show before but it's a quick primer because there may be new listeners or whatever okay so the person we're talking about kenny omega is a wrestler currently signed with aew who basically is the like the face of non WWE wrestling to a degree? Like, you know, he's the guy who has you know never signed with WWE, never wrestled in a WWE ring, and just like made himself famous. Okay, the the that doesn't count. Oh, I'm not gonna Fair. count Deep South, Mikey. We're Deep South doesn't either. count. It, he was in a an early wwe developmental territory for like all of five seconds yeah and that, hated that, it. that doesn't and count hated it, yeah yeah like that that didn't grow like that it wasn't part of his ha- growth trajectory you know it only happened because he thought the recruiter that was going to be there was going to be for njpw but the njpw recruiter did not show yes yeah. so yeah a deep south aside he kenny omega has is like the face of what one would consider like non-traditional roots to wrestling stardom and is also very very good at what he does despite not watching any wrestling <laughs> well he, he used to he used to he's gone on record recently saying he just doesn't watch it anymore yeah. he's not what a wrestling he stop fan at, like <laughs> wrestlemania 12 or something yeah <laughs> yeah because you know he was watching esports instead mm-hmm. and um people were like oh that's very rude of you to ignore the undertaker retiring after 30 years to watch esports and like no respect for the undertaker and he's like 
uh, he's like, I haven't watched W. They're like, don't you talk about watching WWE? And he's like, yeah, like WWE, like 1995, 1997. When it was I, fun. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's so much of a, a thing, but yeah, Kenny's very much a person who cares about like wrestling being entertaining to people who aren't wrestling fans, right? which mm-hmm. really makes him the wrestler he is and makes him a incredible storyteller and the fact that he looks at other media to tell those stories um because i mean and it makes sense and i I see it every day i see it every week i watch dynamite Mm -hmm. where people who are traditional wrestling fans can't seem to grasp the 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 storytelling that happens on every other type of media they can't seem to just get that it's also happening in wrestling because they just want to go back to the same old same old same old same old this is a good guy this is a bad guy they're gonna fight now like like i get that shades of gray don't work for everyone especially if they're not if it's not executed well right but kenny is taking you on a He's he's like he's like walking you through his career that you didn't see. Yeah. And, and that's not to say like Kenny's doing something like unique that's not found anywhere else in wrestling. Although I do think he puts his own unique spin on it. Like there are other people that tell these similar kinds of stories. But I feel like like Kenny is very pointed about the fact that he is a not like a wrestler who is not a wrestling fan. Like he got into watching those early WWE um I actually like read a interview uh, yesterday, like his dad would tape um, uh, Saturday's main event with Vince McMahon and like that it would be on too late. So they'd watch it like Saturday mm-hmm. mornings, like Saturday morning cartoons. And it was more like less that it was like the um, like wrestling necessarily and more that it was like the stories and the drama because one thing we all know how bad Vince McMahon is. I feel like everybody's said yeah. that, right? <laughs> but the one like Vince McMahon in ring is one of Kenny's favorite wrestlers because like he wasn't a wrestler. Like he was this like antagonistic villain who just always had this smarmy grin and was just the absolute shittiest person mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. would just kind of terrorize the other wrestlers. It as... turns out that was kind of a shoot, but at the time, you know, it was just like, oh, this is a really interesting story. And, you know, so he, his whole thing is he wants to use wrestling to bring in anime fans, to bring in like soap opera fans to bring in, um, you know, like, movie and comic book fans right. and and show them that, that like, because his hope is, like, he said, you know, like, I have a lot of friends that do matches that I could not show them those matches and have, like, to my non-wrestling fans and have them be, like, interested, right? Like, you couldn't show them just, like, anything on WWE and, and ha- get them invested. Like, if you went and showed them like whatever the hell um i don't need whatever right, like, let's just say a tables ladders and chairs match for the intercontinental title yeah, yeah. like or like 90% of Sur- even the roman reigns match at survivor series like i don't oh, think oh boy you would have fallen that is not for people that are just going to Yeah but that was like the main event right right like if, I, I know if, but i'm if just you saying you went and show that to someone that wasn't a wrestling fan 
they would, yeah, they would fall asleep because there's no, there's no uh, like interest in it. There's no intrigue in it. And I think like him and AEW as a whole, like, yes, they've made some very big mistakes. Like they continued to make big mistakes. They're not perfect, but trying to think about like, how can we book this like a TV show? How can we get people invested and get people interested? I right. think. And part is- of that, I think, is what Kenny Omega does very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that taking the little bits of subtle storytelling, like, and this is partly because he has complete control over his character now. You know, like, it's the sort of thing you couldn't ever accomplish in WWE because all of your character's decisions go through one guy. Mm-hmm. That guy being Vince McMahon, and Vince McMahon being notoriously terrible at making those decisions. And in general. And in, ge- and in general. Yeah, <laughs> I, you put, so, like, this idea that the way that Kenny Omega structures his character is something that, as, like, a... RPG player and game designer and everything like that is something that like is incredibly impressive to me because it feels like every choice he makes for his character is deliberate and thought out and deeply in the headspace of that character and that's what I think yeah. makes his like character work really unique is just like how perfectly he gets into the character's mental space for making decisions because you know, it's doing things with a purpose is one of those things that keeps getting harped on in, like, you know, all those how-to-play RPGs guides. Like, mm-hmm, I've got mm-hmm. the James D'Amato Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide literally right here. And, like, one of the things that this book talks about is making specific and conscious decisions for your character. You know, so you're not just doing something. Right. You know, and I, I think... The thing that's really important about Kenny, too, is not only does he do that, like, in the moment and in the short term, but also very much in the long term. Mm -hmm. But I think he does it in a way that if you know that history, then it adds context and adds Mm -hmm. layers of meaning. But if you don't know that... being a fan longer. Right. Yeah. But if you don't know that history, I think you can still pick it up via context clues. Like, it's not like... I, I do think you don't need to have watched like being the elite at all to understand like for example last week why when john moxley said it's not jokes on bte why that's like a big sting right Mm -hmm. like um uh okay so the the perfect example of that that like just consistently blows my mind as like one of probably the single best moment of wrestling from the yeah, 2020 pre-COVID era, because I you have to separate those two. I think I know what you're going to yeah. say. I think I know I agree 100%. <laughs> it's, it's when he kicks out at one after the golden trigger. Trigger, yeah. Yep. Like, yep. it's a incredibly, excitingly hype moment, regardless of understanding the context of what the golden trigger is, what that move means to Kenny Omega. You're talking about it revolution, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like just watching it, you can see he kicked out of this big move at one. That's impressive. That's exciting. If you know that that was the Golden Lovers finisher, you get pissed at the Young Bucks yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, you're mad at Matt and Nick. And yep. you're mad at Matt and Nick not just because they did it, but because it because they know. Like, yep. right. they know what it means to Kenny. They know so what it, they did. Yeah. Well, like, and I, they I did it to hurt him emotionally. Yeah. yeah. 
I knew I knew that history. The golden trigger thing definitely pissed me off. But um, there was like a pop up power bomb too that was um, reminiscent of a spot with Coda yes. in him, and that I didn't know. But then learning it afterwards. And that's also what I think is so interesting is um, having my good friend, uh, Allie Bustion, Mad Perot on Twitter, who also got me into wrestling via the Golden Levers and Kenny Omega, um, said something the other day when we were playing Apex Legends that she was like, you know, in a hundred years, they're going to explicate wrestling the same way people ep- explicate Shakespeare in literary classes. And I think it's very true because like we're doing that today. Like that's what these tweets are, right? Is like everyone explaining the layers of meaning for people that don't have that history. Like that's that's a literary, I mean, Charlie, you as a lit person could speak to that more than me, but like, isn't that like explicating a work? Yeah, that's, I mean, exactly what you do. Like every time I sit down and I think about what what's going on in the story right now, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, just pulling apart layers of things that you can take from context and you can pull them out and and see them and then you can see them individually um as a moment and like the biggest thing about literature is obviously when you critique it or you explicate it if you can find it in in the text or like in in like what you're reading like it's there and the fact that kenny juggles all these balls and knows that Mm -hmm. is is so is so so impressive because like especially what's happening now in the story and what started happening um right when FTR showed up in AEW um you can make direct connections and, and I and I, I've talked about this before about how Kenny like Kenny since he came to AEW the story's been okay did Kenny leave his heart in Japan like did he leave his wrestling skill in Japan like okay yeah. yeah maybe um but obviously he found Kodobushi. yes um, <laughs> um but but finding the tag team with with adam with hangman it was and i wrote an article i wrote an essay about this right before all that happened about how it seemed like kenny's like oh yeah i have success with hangman now we won the tag belts okay like at first I thought about before I started thinking about it I was like okay that's probably you know that's like they had a little bit of camaraderie they they won the tag belts but also thinking about it like Kenny was on a losing streak singles mm-hmm. he got with Adam he started winning he was using Adam even though he was kind Adam was self-destructing and Kenny didn't really know what to do with that so he was like okay and Matt and Nick the young bucks they've been taking care of Kenny Omega for how God knows how long. And, you know, that whole thing got really messed up. I remember a dynamite when Adam, like hangman grabbed one of Kenny's arms and Matt grabbed the other and they Mm -hmm. both pulled him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, what's going on here? Um, And, and things seemed really peachy, like, as we went forward like obviously that like we all needed the stadium stampede like it was there to give us like a soothing like a soothing bath in 2020 yes, so we right. had that really great moment with like adam and kenny finally sharing a drink together like mm-hmm. and becoming this like unit this this actual tag team and then when ftr showed up and started pulling hangman away from kenny just kind of like coda started being like being pulled away from kenny and mm-hmm. like in the golden lovers Kenny yeah. just starts self-destructing. 
like he starts like crumpling well, in on himself and he and never cares in there too when they shared that drink you're like how long can this last like is this forever like and that that tension is like also the really interesting it's, thing like the push pull of these relationships because like it's one of those things where you know it's not forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it can't be because yeah. nothing in wrestling is forever like that's the that's the thing and i think like uh i joke about there being this venn diagram between like wrestling soap operas and comic books mm-hmm. yep and i really do think like they're all and like to a certain extent like horror movies too uh, because I do think wrestling and horror are both body genres, like literally. Um, but it's, you know, like these constant, because soap operas, you know, one of the biggest ones in the US, like um, The Young and the Restless, like Victor and Nikki, uh, who are like the power couple. Victor's like this crime boss that also owns like a multinational corporation. Um, but he also like, you know, secretly does these bad dealings. And Nikki was uh, an escort who he then married and, you know, became kind of his heir apparent. And so they're like in their fifties now, but they're constantly like going in these cycles of, you know, being together, being apart, you know, Victor is this very noble man he's like very much like a a heel but a tweener heel like he's this noble man that has you know these really strong beliefs and he cares about people very strongly but he's also a deeply evil man and not to put it in terms of the bad rpg but (laughs) you know like kind of lawful evil he follows a code yeah 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 he has his or like his code applies to his family and his loved ones mm-hmm. like if you're part of his heart like you are okay but he will stop at nothing to take things from people that are not part of that structure and you know like there's like this similar cyclical relationship with like one of the big things in comic books for the longest time um you know matt murdoch and karen and then to a certain extent also like foggy nelson and then you know everyone knows captain america and Bucky Barnes, mm-hmm. you know. Now, like, you saying that is actually kind of interesting because it kind of reminds me of uh, the Bullet Club feud, mm-hmm. K- mm-hmm. kind of as Cody in the place of Victor there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like Cody and Victor Newman are very similar characters. Um, I know that's like a weird thing to say. Probably, like I grew up. Anyone? <laughs> my my dad always like my mom and dad met. Uh, because they were both into the bull, uh, into the young and the restless. I don't think and it's weird to bring up soap operas in the context of wrestling. Wrestling, wrestling no, is just not. a soap opera with punching. Right, exactly. And I think that's the thing that like people don't understand, especially like WWE has tried to like downplay that. Mm-hmm. But yes. like, but that's also like the thing that's interesting about it. Like, there's not that much difference to in um, currently in the bold and the beautiful. There is uh, this guy that's a like architectural designer. Thomas has a he loves this woman but cannot have her. So what does he do? He buys a mannequin that looks just like her, and she sits on his couch, and he is having delusions of this mannequin mannequin talking to him and telling him what to do. Okay. I don't understand how that's that different from the Firefly Funhouse. 
Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I hear you. Yeah, no, Mikey, like, you're you're not wrong. Okay, and, I think we might have gone a bit too far. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm we sorry. should circle back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, sorry on that, but, but so like, the, but the thing is, like, the story is the thing, and like Kenny's really interested in the story. Like, I think I mentioned, you know, DDT before. Um, like that was where Kenny started out, and it was very much that. You know, DDT was, he, Kenny started in Japan by watching, he would watch these matches. Um, there was a Japanese couple that would do like write-ups of indie matches in the US and like they had a blog and uh, would put it up for like the Japanese audience and then they would kind of share. Um, so they gave Kenny a tape of like DDT match with mm -hmm. Kota Ibushi. Um, and he was so enthralled, but it was literally Yuri on ice. Like it was, he was so it enthralled basically is. by, no, I, I'm serious. It, he was so enthralled by the way Kota Ibushi wrestled. He filmed a video promo of himself and then a match. So a DDT, the promotion, Dramatic Dream Team is, was known at the time for doing what's called an anywhere match where they would wrestle in the street. They would wrestle in, um, you know, an ice rink, in someone's apartment, in the bathroom, in the stairwell, um, like just wherever. Uh, and, you know, if the match started in the ring, it would go like literally outside the, the venue and they would just, the camera crew would just run after them, right? Um, that was their their gimmick as their like niche indie promotion so kenny and some of the clips out there are amazing that you can find yes, from it they are amazing so kenny filmed got someone to film him in a like friend in winnipeg doing an anywhere match like they go from he declares like the match at the guy's house and they go outside he does like uh, a, mo a moonsault off a tree yep. um there was um he also did it off of like a a rock wall yeah, yeah. like yeah. they go to a lake and then they end up they sw swim down the lake and end up in a quarry um and so he sends this video to ddt kodobushi watches it and says i need this man in japan like right now yeah <laughs> and so then they wrestle each other because that was what kenny kenny said i want to match against you kodobushi mm -hmm. so they wrestle each other um kenny said that was the first time he'd ever cried after a wrestling match um so they like cry after this match that was just amazing. I think that was also the one that got Kota Bushi banned from Korokuin Hall. Because he did a moonsault off the, the overhand. The, yeah. The overhead, yeah. yeah. Which you're not supposed to do. No. <laughs> no, they got very, he was like legitimately shoot banned there for yeah. years. Because the other thing is like, they did not clear like the spots with anyone. It was just him and Coda. Like, what are we gonna do? What and would be? So, uh, they, wasn't that like? And at the, at the time, Kenny didn't speak Japanese, right? No, he had Nak translating for him. Yeah, he basically had yeah. Michael Nakazawa doing the translation for him. Correct. So, and then after that, you know, it was very expensive to fly this uh, young American uh, from. You know, Winnipeg, Canadian. Manitoba, Canadian, sorry, not American, America in the North America. Section. North American. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Kota Bushi said, you know, I want to wrestle this guy again. 
and I want to wrestle. I want to wrestle with him in a tag team, not as a rival. Because like the normal thing would have been like Kota Ibushi was one of their rising stars in DDT. Mm-hmm. Like the normal thing would have been to make them rivals, but they were like, no, we want to be together. Which is like they were just and DDT was like, you know what? Sure, why yeah. not? Because the Kirk and Hall match got match of the year, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Well. And then when they came back, they got match of the year again. Yes. So, as a tag team. As a tag team. <laughs> and because that was like the thing. Like Kenny, Kenny was just like, it was just kept being like every opportunity. Like, how can I make do something new? How can I do something that like pulls more, you know, I'm not going to get match of the I got I was lucky to get match of the year as a foreigner in an indie promotion uh you know the first time that yep. lightning doesn't strike twice. So that was the other thing is like you know what can I do to just like even get seen cuz like so you know really Kenny has been it's also like being in the right place at the right time. Right. Like there are so many people I'm sure that have the same kind of like skills and ideas about wrestling that just don't make it. Oh yeah, or, definitely. Like, um, Cause wrestling is like, you know, it's kind of like streaming and kind of like, um, you know, a lot of these things where it's, it's cutthroat and luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listening to the, like, I've been listening to the young bucks book and it's just like, like woof. listening to everything. Yeah. Woof <laughs> is right. Like everything that they have to go through is just. And like, it's, yeah, not for nothing, but it's pretty hard to make it big as a gaijin wrestler in Japan, too. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't get the same kind of pushes that the, you know, Japanese wrestlers do. And that's not, you know, like, I I get why Japan would want to feature homegrown talent more so than foreign talent. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Literally the only way, um, the Young Bucks, also of the Elite, you know, the, the trio staple known as the Elite with Kenny Omega... The only reason they got the push that they did and got to be in Bullet Club was because they like they're nice people, contrary to what Twitter might tell you. Um, I'm sorry, I will defend the Young Bucks like not because I'm like a stan or whatever, but just because they don't deserve the rep that they get. Um, it's true. Like, they are. It's, it's true, but I I agree 100, percent Mikey. But it is self crafted. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, entirely. Entirely. (laughs) So, but the whole reason they got the push in NJPW that they did is because they helped uh, Kazuchika Okada because they're nice people. They're like, uh, they advocated for him um, when he was in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And like, it just so happened that they advocated for him and like the person that was like chaperoning him, and the person that was chaperoning him ended up becoming the head of NGPW, like the president, I think. And then Kazuchika Okada was like their number one star. So it was just like kind of karmic in a way, or like, right. you know, yeah, like it's- one good deed does like gets another. Be- but like Kenny didn't have, like Kenny was nobody. Mm-hmm. Like he literally built himself up. And, you know, I really Wild. do think, yeah. And, it's- and, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you could finish your thought because I was going to use that as a transition point. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of me too. And I know, like, he's had a lot of missteps with the AEW women's division, but I think, like, the clearest thing that I can kind of see, like, him paying that forward is then, like, Britt Baker's Mm storyline, like, using that to build forward. And, like, you know, that's a gimmick that shouldn't work. Like, 
she's a wrestler and a dentist. Like, We've done this gimmick. before. That's it didn't yeah. work. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. Oh yeah, because Kane, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that shouldn't work, but he like has made it work, and you can see the seeds of like that kind of the storytelling that he likes with like um the Britt Baker and the dumpster promo. Mm-hmm. which if people are not familiar with Britt Baker, it's on YouTube. I absolutely think like if I could shout out watching two things on YouTube, if you haven't seen them, it's Kenny's entrance is Sans Undertale. <laughs> yep. And like, if, if you only got familiar with Kenny Omega, like at the beginning of this year or whatever, please go look on YouTube and watch his intro as Sans Undertale because there's so much going on there. there oh Other yeah, no, the like that's ridiculous. It, it it's ridiculous that it's Sans Undertale, but there's a lot that happens in like the first mm-hmm. thirty seconds of that intro mm-hmm. that tells you everything you need to know about Kenny Omega's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like that, and then like the example of like that kind of character work, working on to help or bolster like another wrestler another up-and-coming wrestlers thing is Britt baker's dumpster promo Mm -hmm. because that's like that same kind of heel kenny omega uh but in like a totally different context in a totally different history right like you at at a certain point like when you have a dentist character right like everyone is going to because again wrestling is many things it's live theater is another thing that wrestling Mm -hmm. is Every time you have a dentist character, people are going to compare it to Little Shop. True. And yeah. you can't like you can't escape that comparison. Because the dentist is such a fundamental character in Little Shop that like, you know, the way that they've worked Britt Baker has played into like a lot of the elements of the dentist without being like a pure, like, you know reshoot of little shop you know Britt baker is emotionally abusive to reba instead of physically abusive yeah it's like you can like that's one of the things where you can just feel kenny's fingerprints all over Mm -hmm. it yeah um and you know getting to kind of like what's happening like now i i don't think and well it's happened before so it's it's funny because every time so kenny's kenny's big gimmick in new japan pro wrestling was the cleaner which is it completely like if you had to like if you had to explain it to somebody and they'd be like excuse me um <laughs> i mean that was kind of what happens when he tried to do it too well like, so like his, like originally the cleaner was partly based on wesker from like Resident yeah. Evil, Evil yeah, or like like Hitman from Hitman. It was supposed to be like, you know, yeah, he comes guy... in and cleans up the your division, the, the your your murders, your like yeah. your yeah. He's 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 the guy that he's like the the guy that comes and like cleans up. What is it? What is it that um Cobra Bubble says in Lilo and Stitch? Like, I am the guy they call when things have gone wrong and things. <laughs> certainly gone wrong <laughs> cover bubbles is the cleaner but for child services for, for, um so Lilo like, and stitch good movie also yeah phenomenal um, movie 
Correct. It, and so the cleaner is like, the, like Kenny as the cleaner is this um, man in a leather jacket with no shirt on and leather and like, like at the beginning, like really short, like, like black trunks. And he has a broom and he's this anime villain. He's this like over the top turn to 11 villain. Right. Oh, I think he brought the broom in later he did yeah well, um, it was because like he was trying to be this this cleaner persona and then the japanese audience being only vaguely familiar with english are like cleaner oh like he's a janitor janitor <laughs> it's you know it's right that- there's there's nuance to the term cleaner that doesn't communicate well to japanese audiences because of the language barrier and there's like yeah. but that makes sense John Wick definitely. Um, I haven't seen it, but from what I get, um, the like non-binary character I think in the most recent John Wick is probably the most the most similar to a cleaner persona. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because John- it's like, oh, I'm the person you know, I'm the person that comes and takes care of things, and in that like, or like any of the people that they send after Jason Bourne. <laughs> Um, yeah. and Jason Bourne those are the cleaners for the CIA or whatever like they are come they're there to take care of the problem of Jason Bourne the John Wick um, franchise does hold a special place in this household because John Wick is from Jersey and we have to support people from Jersey it's one of our rules as a state fair. you have to support someone to if they're watch. from Jersey I have only seen fair. the second half of the first movie <laughs> I need to go watch it it's just like time what is time yeah what is time um, but but yeah. yeah, so 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 Kenny's got Kenny's this cleaner character. And I keep I always I always always talk about how interesting I think Bullet Club is as a faction because it's got this very structured hierarchy. There is the leader of the Bullet Club, and then there is everybody underneath, but they also have they also have this like ranking system, like this heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they just it's like there's a hierarchy there. There's the alpha beta and omegas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Um that works. That works. Um so it's always really fascinating to me that Kenny is part of the bullet club as the junior heavyweight guy and he's the cleaner and then he stages a coup. Mm-hmm. like legitimately stages yeah. a coup and well, becomes the leader of the bullet club and then like his cleaner like his kind of goofy like it, it's always tinged with comedy like a little comedy yeah. mm-hmm. but it's also deadly it's like also can be deadly serious and you never ever know kind of what version you're getting and you always take him seriously and i think for me as somebody who is you know very much experiencing me myself as like someone who's trans mask and someone who's um who really likes media that's like got a violent tinge to it who who is very sick of the wooification of queer characters in general mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um kenny holds a really special place for me because he is this character that i mean whether or not tyson smith is by doesn't matter kenny omega is yep, like right. But he's this character that is queer, but also, like, you never don't take him seriously. Like, right. even if he's doing silly things, like, yeah. the flip, the switch can flip just like that. Well, and I think that's the really interesting thing, too, because you talk about, like, WWE, like, uh, for those, again, that don't know, um, with Roman Reigns, like, Roman Reigns, for whatever reason, 
people didn't like that he was being pushed as like the the face of the company and they would start booing him and so what does wwe do they like cut the audience feed and they put they insert canned applause like to force him to be like a face character because they're so against the idea that one of their faces could be booed or like one of their heels could be cheered Mm -hmm. Like that is unacceptable to them. So instead they will force it. Whereas NJPW has a much more flexible um, like outlook on things. And not only that, like character, um, the wrestlers in NJPW traditionally actually like until Bullet Club and until Okada didn't have gimmicks. Like they were just wrestlers that had personalities but they didn't have like any special thing. NJPW has always tried to position itself primarily as a sport. Yeah, yeah. it's the king, king, of, the the king, king of, of sports. sports. The king of sports. King like, of sports. What's, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, what's important is like the fighting spirit. So um, Kenny Omega got to do, like they gave him this idea, like you're kind of this guy that's coming in and cleaning things up. So he like went with his idea of it. And when people started misunderstanding what that was rather than say no i'm gonna force them to understand like kenny is like a big like like he came from ddt he came from this ridiculous comedy wrestling Mm -hmm. it's like what am i gonna do instead i'm gonna make them fear me with brooms and trash cans like you know and that speaks to where njpw was at at that time and also like the flexibility uh that they afforded like, especially this idea of people having gimmicks. And, you know, Kenny's just like, I can tell us to, like, tell me to be a, like, I fully believe that if NJPW was like, we want you to come in and clown makeup and you're going to be a clown. Like, Kenny would make that work, you know? Like, he might not be too happy, but I think he could make it work. Um, And so it's like, okay, I'm going to tell the stories I want to tell under, like, this frame of reference that you give me. And, like, that's kind of what he did with the cleaner. Now, also, to go back to, like, a lot of the nuance that he does in his characters as well, is for, like, uh, foreigners in New Japan or Japan in general, they are usually heels. They'll come out and do promos in English. The crowd has no idea what they're saying, usually. Mm-hmm. But Kenny Omega is fluent in Japanese. So he would actually go out, like, later on in his career and halfway through break into japanese yeah. just to taunt them a bit mm-hmm. and then go well, back right and like the big, the big thing that he did that we actually recently covered in match club you know not to toot our own horn but <laughs> yeah the first time he did that was to explicitly to taunt okada yes um, and to taunt the japanese audience who um you know have started to cheer him on and he's like but i know you don't understand what i'm saying and then he says that again in japanese and then what he says in japanese is like cheer me if you can i don't care like i don't care if you cheer me i don't care if you hate me i don't care if you love me like and and just like the the funny thing is the audience is just in stitches like they're laughing so hard at this because like they're in on the joke right Mm -hmm. but you know it's like that he finally had gotten to the point where, cause he, you know, he says, I don't, I know you don't understand what I'm saying. And then he says, Okada. And then he calls Okada out, which is like, you know, cause the thing is Okada speaks English, but not very well. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, 
directly connecting and like using that, I think is so interesting. I think it's also like very good as a character choice to have him deliver his promos in English, knowing that the audience, excuse me, knowing that the audience knows that he's fluent in Japanese. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm choosing to continue to give these promos in English because fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a completely conscious choice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think some of it was NJPW being like, because then, um, then the really interesting thing is then they give this conference after he gets the IWGP briefcase, which mm-hmm. is like number one contender, uh, you know, similar to briefcase in WWE. And then the reporters are asking questions. He doesn't wait for the translator. He immediately will answer their questions in English and then let the translator translate his responses. And then when the translator doesn't do it correctly, like he he says something and the translator is like blah 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 and he's like Kenny's like no 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 best about the machine and the translator's like <laughs> you know gives an abbreviated version he's like no best about the machine and uh, then the translator's like best about the machine <laughs> and like Kenny's like thank you you know and and it's a really great moment because it's like he really truly is just like what an asshole he has to be to continue to speak in English despite being able to understand despite being able to answer he just refuses to do so and then the moment when that changes is when Kodobishi comes back when he is the champion then he gives a fluent promo in Japanese to thank the Japanese audience for believing in him and I think it's on like NJPW's YouTube as like Kenny Omega gives the true promo of a champion or something like that. And, you know, he's crying, the audience is cheering for him. And it's like that moment is one because of the progression of doing so some, something so simple as what language are you answering questions and doing promos in? Because, yeah. um, you know, like you go from being that heel to, doing it ge- in a genuine fashion. Well, I have a, I have a question for the, for the panel um, because Mike and I have talked about this a couple of times. Um, and I think what Kenny is doing now distinctly is a parody of the cleaner. It's not the cleaner. It's not. Um, uh, do you think the cleaner, like, do you think New Japan Kenny, cleaner Kenny is something that an American audience would understand? Like as a gimmick? I don't because there are less barriers between him and the audience Mm -hmm. and the audience that AEW has cultivated at least considers it a bit smarter than the New Japan audience could have been about Kenny then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of that comes down to, again, the nuance of translated language and not to be the Wittgenstein of this conversation, but like... You know, at a certain point, translated language breaks down because you lose a lot of the nuance and the subtleties to it. It's Mm -hmm. why, like, when you translate literature, it's so difficult to get a proper translation that captures nuance. It's why all of those different translations of Beowulf have different feelings. Mm -hmm. I mean, hell, even the Bible, you know. Right. Like, King James is going to be different from... New International. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But the Bible, whatever. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. so, like, fun fact: the reason that the King James Bible even exists is because it was like 
King James bought himself time with his gay lover in order. <laughs> so it's like, I'll write this Bible if you just let me have my boyfriend. And they were Gosh, like, oh, all right, whatever. Okay, okay we'll, well, we'll do it. And, you know, what's really interesting to me about this version of Kenny that exists right now is that Mox, of all people, saw right through it. Right. And we got to and see I- that on Wednesday because he comes out and he says, Kenny, like, this isn't jokes on BTE. This isn't dancing girls with brooms. You better find the Kenny Omega everybody thinks you are because you only got one shot. Well, and I think that's that speaks to what um, Kat and Aaron were saying about like the levels, but like the levels between the audience and the um, like Kenny. Sorry, the audience. The Kenny. The Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> I lost yeah. my train of thought there for a second. Um, like there's less. So rather than have to play through, you know, the layers of the context of being in New Japan, being in Bullet Club, being a gaijin, being a foreigner. Like rather than that, Kenny gets to play with the meta element. Right. Like, yes. He knows, like he gets to toy with, um, you know, fans that are in the know, AKA smarks or smart marks. Like, that obviously, I hate. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, We're it changing is what it the is. name of the podcast is smarking out with my girlfriend. <laughs> I hate it and I quit. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll just goodbye, host it goodbye. with Erica then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, you know, like he, like, uh, somebody on another Discord I'm in said something like that really, like the cleaner in 2020, as he was in NJPW, is a face gimmick. Like people love that character. So, mm-hmm. what does Kenny have to do? He has to once again make us hate him, like he did in Japan by toying with. Japanese but now rather than toying with those layers of meaning and what language he's using he's toying with the very presentation of his character right and those elements that we know and love and making them detestable like he's got that same you know outfit that he wore to all those NJPW press conferences on he's got that attitude he won't even give us a proper goodbye and good night yeah, yeah, no, he started like, no, 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 all the, that shit. Yeah, it's like, and, you know that thing I say. Yeah, yeah. and Mo- John Moxley comes in. He's a straight shooter, you know. He sees, he refuses to go on BT. He was on, like, one of the first BTs for AEW. They try to do the shield fist bump with him, the Young Bucks do, and he goes, fuck you, you know, and, like, walks off. And so rather than... Like, he's going to cut through all that shit, all that meta shit, like a knife. And that's why he says it's not like jokes on BTE. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, he's like, I'm not playing with this layers. You know, John Moxley is a man that's not even on the internet. He shoots the blow dart in his backyard, for Christ's sakes. Like, he's <laughs> the only time he's it. on the internet is to donate to someone's GoFundMe accidentally yeah. under his real name <laughs> yeah. a, co- yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. And so, like, he cuts right through all that bullshit, sees right through what Kenny's trying to do. And Mox gives us what, and Mox gives us what we want. He gives right. us the finger gun down the barrel, he gives yeah. us what we want. 
Yeah. And he doesn't give so, it to us. And that's like, again, that's like a really cool interplay. And going back to what, like what you were saying at the very top of the podcast, Kat, like that's why, um, like, again, Ali Mad Pro on Twitter, like is writing actually um, like how, like she's really trying to write some different stuff of like how to use uh, tabletop role-playing games, like why wrestling is a really like why you need to watch wrestling to do that and it's because like those directed character decisions like he knows exactly what he's doing mm -hmm. by playing with this meta layer in this way you know the same yeah. way that you know to use a playbook in masks for example like the same way um like the delinquent kind of uses like uses and abuses like influence and stuff like that like the same way you can manipulate systems like use mm -hmm. like powered by apocalypse powered by the apocalypse especially like takes genre and man you can manipulate and, and twist it to get different outcomes and that's like something that kenny really does too like he knows that his audience is genre savvy he is genre savvy like he he's a storyteller and it's like how can i twist these different little elements to tell the kind of story i want to tell right and like I, I think at a less meta level, like just thinking about like what Kenny Omega the character's motivations are, taking aside mm -hmm. the decision making by Tyson Smith, mm -hmm. what Kenny Omega's decisions are as like a character, you know why the character makes this choice, the pseudo cleaner gimmick that he's doing right now, where it's like a very over the top parody of you know what the cleaner was. Yeah, a, a lot of the, a lot of you know what he's doing now, like speaks to the fact that the character is very self-conscious right now. The character, yeah. and he's lost. He where he doesn't have like a soul. He doesn't right. have a grounding. He he's dealing with his feelings of abandonment. You know, mm -hmm. his his in a way, like you know, he lost the magic that he had in Japan. And, you know, this is booking decisions. So, yeah, this is a decision that you know, Tyson Smith has made for his character. It's not like it's a bad thing. But, mm -hmm. like, this, this idea that that losing streak that he went on and, like, the way that that has woven into all of his insecurities of, did I fuck up doing this? Like, yeah. you know. But I made I, a big mistake. Yeah. I gave, I have this golden opportunity to be the face of a brand new upstart wrestling company that is you know rivaling wwe did i fuck up doing that like you know did i make the wrong choice and like that's always playing in the back of the character's mind is this like idea that i might have fucked up <laughs> Well, yeah. and that, like, the the wild thing, like, Kenny loves this long-term storytelling, like we've told. Like, the genesis of all of this was at the very first AEW pay-per-view. Like, before mm -hmm. Dynamite existed, before a lot of people, other than their fans that followed them over from NJPW, really even knew. Are you talking knew. all in here? Yes. Okay. Uh, or, um, well, double or nothing. Sorry, okay, so it's not yeah. the first. Okay. Like The first AEW, not the, the first, first they did. AEW not the first one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because All In was technically its own thing. So Mock John Moxley throws Kenny Omega off the stack of poker chips. And the like, poker chips that just as an aside was an idea that Kenny Omega had like 
two days before the show and it costs them like multiple thousands of dollars yeah, to like get those dumb poker chips dollars. yeah C- tony khan like was about to strangle him like shoot uh to hear cody was gonna strangle him yeah it was cody too um because kenny's like i got this idea for this really incredible spot and it's and it was it is an incredible spot it's an incredible spot but character wise the character of kenny omega like being thrown off that and suffering that very public defeat and then like john moxley like disappears for an injury you know it's like he doesn't even get the satisfaction of having like a feud or anything like that Mm -hmm. right uh which is a then, feud, which which really means the feud goes on for almost a year. Yeah, and then when it comes back, he what does he do? Like he has to put, you know, he has to tell himself and the audience that John isn't as great as everybody thinks he is. Because unless he does that, then he's like admitting that no, he just like let himself be flipped off the back of a bunch of poker chips yep. into this, you know. So it's like. What are you going to chain wrestle me, John? So it's, it's, yeah, it's this whole thing goes back to this defeat and Kenny refuses to accept like any of the worldview shifts that should come as part of that. Right. Right. I mean, the story of the lights out match is Kenny breaking. Yeah. Like then like immediately he pivots. So like, that's like the, the story overall for Kenny Omega in AEW is him making these like conscious decisions to not learn his lesson from anything that happens to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very supernatural, really. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's really yeah. Uh, yeah there we no, go. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. So he like he he thinks he can't win. He he just gives up on singles. Mm-hmm. And tags with and tags with Hangman and has that and like we it's very very like very very pointed that we don't see the we don't see this like weird Kenny like that we are, we have seen in in Japan like we don't see it until Hangman starts hanging out with FTR right it's very yeah. important that that's true. Because well, I, I mean, the, I mean, everybody went cleaner senses went off because that match, the elite match with with the elite versus Jurassic Express, mm-hmm. the moment that Kenny snaps on Marco and he looks yep. at the camera and he goes, he like kisses it and then he just starts beating the fuck out of, out of Marco's Poor son. Marcos and, yeah. Now to, to bring this kind of uh, up to speed a little bit, we're really talking about this because of the match next Wednesday. Oh, which yeah. is Mox and Omega 2. Yeah. I'm kind of curious where everyone's sitting. Technically, the first one didn't count. It didn't exist. It if you ask Kenny Omega, but we're marks, so it yeah. counts. It counts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my question here is, what do each of you see as, like, the outcome from this? I'll go first. I thought about this a lot because Mox... Um, Mox was my favorite AEW wrestler. I, I love the Shield. I have them. Whoop, whoop, there they are somewhere um, yep, back there here. Um, so I came in AEW because I followed Mox there um, without knowing anything about the Elite, without knowing anything about Kenny Omega. So Mox was my favorite for a long time. Um, and then I really got into Kenny. So when I knew that they were gonna like have a feud again, I was like, 
yes like i can't lose like uh, this is a non-lose situation for me right it's, um it's a situation where you now appreciate every element of the feud rather than correct just... and i think it's really really elevated it for me because i think honestly this wednesday's segment like so it'll be next last wednesday segment i thought that was incredible like I, it was it was yeah. just a really incredible segment so my thought about it is is it personally i'd like to see this feud go on so much longer because i honestly the way kenny's been talking about mox like off just like in interviews up coming up to this this event here um it's almost like he sees mox as his okada and aw mm-hmm. they're like these guys who work together have incredible chemistry and like can knock it out of the park at any point in time um so i'd like to see this continue so i think on wednesday I'm very ready for the belt to change hands. I love John, but I think Kenny will do something special with the belt. Right. Um, yep. And Mox has been a great champ, a champ, great champion. And the only person who can take the belt off of Mox is Kenny, like no matter when it happens. So I think what happens on Wednesday, if I'm playing this the way I want it to be played, is that Kenny wins the belt via very, it's not a clean win. Mm-hmm. It's not a clean no. win. And then they still continue to feud up until Revolution, where there's another match on pay-per-view, and Kenny can win clean. Um, That would be my perfect scenario. I'm also, like, the cool thing about AEW is that, like, whenever I think I know the answer to the question... Like, I know what the booking decision is because it's the correct booking decision. And if it was WWE, I could see it coming a mile away. They always make me, they do things that make me think, no, this isn't going to happen. Like, this week's stuff, I'm like, is Kenny not winning? Kenny might not be winning because he's he's this desperate person. He's grabbing for the belt. Like, when mm-hmm. John cuts through his, his persona in the ring... All he has left is the desperation to grab for the belt and he's doing it at every chance and John steps on his hand. And then when John does the paradigm shift and he Kenny tries to grab the belt again, mm-hmm. like yep. he he needs it. He needs it. Um, so I don't know. Like I could see Kenny winning the belt um clean. I could see Mox not losing the belt right now. I could see you know? like, I but could what think- I would like to happen is them to continue having a feud after this. I, I agree with that. Um, like long term booking, I think Kenny is the one who comes away with the belt for a significant period of time. Because Hangman because, has to take it off him. Exactly. The only way that the story makes sense is to have Hangman win the belt off of Kenny. Yeah. And like, yeah, Hangman, like the story of Hangman is one of it, it's similar to what's happening to Eddie Kingston. Like, um, in that both of them need to lose everything you know and like part of that was eddie kingston in the i give up and the i quit match like eddie kingston having to quit eddie kingston losing his family because i still think the butcher and the blade are not long for being part of the family because mm-hmm. i think them putting Allie back with them brings a very interesting angle so like my whole like eddie kingston verse because i love eddie kingston to death you know like uh, as much as we don't like to talk about them, we talk about them every week. Uh, <laughs> like Eddie Kingston on Chikara was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like that. So like I I love Eddie Kingston a lot, and I 
just adore the way that his story is going to be the story of a guy losing everything and realizing the only person he has is himself and building himself back up. And like having that parallel, the way that Hangman is losing everything. He's lost the Elite, he's lost Kenny Omega, he's lost the belt. He never had FTR. They were just grifting him, which like good on them, good grift. You know, game recognized game. Yeah, it was a gr- it was a great grift. Yeah. yeah. But well, I think the oh go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just gonna say like the shared thread there is both Hangman and Eddie Kingston are men that deeply hate themselves. Like they deeply hate the people that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of self loathing there, and you know the thing is like so they're trying to fill that void like they're trying to get people that will make them into people that they want to be or that will make them do things that are worth doing and worth being like by filling those voids and and we all know like that's not a healthy way of coping like that is never going to be sustainable because you have to be someone that loves yourself. Stop calling me out like this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you telling me that that a group of four four trans people recognize that suppressing <laughs> who you are <laughs> is a bad thing? No, oh, that can't be you it. You have to like do some introspection to find out what is really true about yourself, like at your innermost core. I know. Yeah, wow. And I think, yeah. and, and I think, Kat, like to what you were saying, I think that. I mean, Hangman doesn't only win the belt from Kenny. I think he brings Kenny back to himself at the same time. Right. Like, he, it, it, in essence, like, and like it's, it's kind of a toxic narrative in mm-hmm. a sense that, like, you know, Kenny as a, Kenny Omega as a character needs someone else to be himself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, he, he, it's, it's, and it's never, it's never like a rival or a foil or anything like that. It comes back to the idea, going all the way back to when we started talking about DDT, way back at the beginning of the show, when we talked about how they became a tag team rather than a rivalry, and how the Golden Lovers formed this like relationship. Kenny Omega needs, as a character, you know, again, differentiating Tyson Smith from Kenny Omega, but the character Kenny Omega, in order to be himself, needs someone else. Yeah, and, and like it's oh that codependency that he develops. It's so like having Hangman bring him back into being himself by beating him is such a good representation of that weird codependency that Kenny has that like builds this idea of Kenny Omega the you know, Kenny Omega the man is not someone who is good on his own because you know at, at his core I think the character Kenny Omega doesn't like Kenny Omega as a fears being alone right mm-hmm, yeah. like he f- he's he's afraid of at the end of the day when he is approaching the top of the mountain that he's not going to have anyone behind him and he won't be able to make it up to the top and like he holds himself back because he doesn't have those other people with him at the moment and like i i i don't know it, he, he he yeah he, like it, it's that the idea can't be the best version of myself by myself as was mentioned in chat um that reminds me next episode i'll have to arrange so we can actually have chat on screen because that'll be <laughs> useful for the youtube vod yeah 
Well, I uh, think Kenny wants us to believe. He wants to believe, and he wants us to believe that he is Sephiroth. I think he's actually Cloud Strife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Cloud Strife only ends up truly becoming himself once he realizes, you know, that he's not Zack, that he's not this, like, idealized version of Zack that he's built in his head and, like, accepts and, like, understands his past, right? And and even Sephiroth, like, you know, he dies and is, like, brought back to um to the life the life stream so i think like that's the thing is like you can't no person is an island like you can't you have to accept help and like i think kenny omega being such a fan of you know rpgs and jrpgs like and again tabletop games what's the most essential element of you know most of what we think of as tabletop role-playing games and certainly jrpgs is the party like you have to rely on other people to bring in things that you yourself are not as good at. And I think that's, but like Kenny's doing that in very toxic ways right now. Right. And I, I, think, I think I, and I posited last week, um, cause I, I don't know the answer to this. Did the bucks come out with Kenny? Yeah. Like, do they cheer him on by ring? They come out to second Kenny. Not? It's a big match. It's a big championship match for Kenny Omega. Now, I actually bucks? have an interesting, uh, interesting to me at least thought yeah. on this yeah. and that the idea of the party and needing other people with him and that the bucks are just kind of an extension of kenny's own toxicity to a to a degree mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. really push himself above he needs coda because coda is a good influence on him yeah yeah right yeah. no no i always thought that like the bucks um like the bucks kenny it's very wholesome like it is it, like it, in in yes. the real world it's a very wholesome relationship yeah. um and and even like in the fiction it's a wholesome relationship when everything's going right yeah when it's not like and i don't know how far back or if like how far anyone watched vte and it's a silly moment but um kenny is the leader of the bullet club kenny making matt and nick kill their best friend adam cole yep like the Kenny Omega that is not a good friend and makes them do things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Like that is a very interesting character to me because they're still in this unit that Kenny really cares about, but he is so self-driven in this really weird toxic way. They he developed them too. Um, yeah. Like the, what was it? The uh, barbed wire like the barbed wire bed yeah match yeah yeah so like my thought for what's gonna happen next week is i almost like i've been thinking about it a lot like what kind of ways because the one thing that stuck out the most to me is john moxley saying you only get one shot at this and i i don't think aew has done a win by count out yet my thought is I wonder if the Bucks or someone hold uh, or force John Moxley to stay because there no, it's not uh, extreme rules or anything like that, like street fight stipulation. It's a n- normal match. Yeah. Um, so my thought is that somehow John gets counted out and Kenny wins. Like, like there's definitely cheating 
can but like I like what say that i would say that but there's there's cheating there's like cheating to win in a set in a finish that makes sense and then there's an unsatisfactory finish and AEW has done a wonderful job at not giving us unsatisfactory bad finishes to their main events and i think a yeah. count out would be a disappointment unfortunately yeah i mean I think I think there's definitely got to be some element of so I I think they're like more willing to take thing. a risk on dynamite though versus a pay-per-view. That's you know? true. Right. That's true. You didn't pay for it, I guess. Yeah. You didn't you didn't pay for well, it. And, so And think about like think about how mad and frustrated that would make people. Uh, uh, I think that's like that's how you keep this going. Because like if Kenny that's wins, that's how you make people hate Kenny Omega. Right, exactly. That's yeah. it. And like, how do you keep this going? Well, it's like Kenny is, you know, he won, but John isn't going to stand for that. And then that that feels like, because if Kenny truly wins as the better man, John Moxley isn't someone that's just going to say, "Well, I hate you now because you won." John has a code. He sticks to a code, you know, winning is winning, losing is losing. And he, you know, if you, if he loses to you, he respect, like legitimately, he respects you. As yeah, the, only as way, like, the only way that, the only reason John cheats in CMJ, the MJF ch- match, the only reason that Mox cheated to win um, was because MJF was going to cheat. Yeah. Right. Like, like right. He right. cheated first. Yeah. <laughs> they, right. We talked exactly. about this. Stellar finish, by the way. It was, I love it was that. Incredible. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> like, yeah. y- you're going to cheat? Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm gonna cheat. <laughs> yeah. Like the he would not have cheated at say, as much as I like hate that as a match, story wise, he would not have cheated with Jake Hager because like the whole conceit of that is John, you're just a wrestler. I'm a fighter. And like John had to go mano a mano at him and like meet him in his element to prove himself. Like uh Brody Lee, I think like if that had you know, John kind of cheated there. But I think it's like there really. you feel good, kind like not really, but you feel good about that like weird thing story wise because Brody Lee is a deeply disturbing man. Like he harasses these people that are loyal to him. You know he manipulates people. He's everything that John Moxley hates. So it's like, you know, what is Kenny Omega? He's so mean to the Meat Man. How are you yeah, mean so, to the Meat yeah. Man? Or okay, he isn't I think, anymore. I think, but... I think Silver has taken over the Dark Order in, in Brody Lee's absence, so I'll be yeah. interested to see what happens. Yeah, where did he go? Uh, he's he's, got, injured, like a, like he's got like an elbow okay. injury yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, okay, I actually It'll be really anything. funny to see him come back. And, it's like, Silver's in charge of the Dark Order. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'll be really funny to see. Yeah, so, like, you know, it really... Like, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. Like, the count-out thing was just my thought of, like like what's realistic is like i don't think kenny's gonna take mox out by himself um like so he has to have some kind of outside also there's the wild card about who attacked mox yeah we still don't know who that is we know it's not eddie because he clearly feels real fucked up about the whole thing and um i love that silent understanding they had that was was really good yeah like, um well, just well, i'm throwing it out, i'll throw it out to the yeah, actually aaron what do you think is going to happen on wednesday yeah we haven't heard from you 
Yeah, because I asked all of you. Uh, <laughs> on Wednesday, I think that Kenny is going to pull it out. I, I'm thinking the same kind of way as Charlie is, where it's probably not going to be clean. They'll go to Revolution because I think Kenny's going to like avoid mocks for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like Jericho did. Ah, uh, yeah. Because that's definitely not the Kenny Omega people want to see. They want to see have these big epic matches with the best in the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So don't give him that. Then right. gets Revolution. He, he wins again. The, the feud's over. And I think we go into Hangman from there. Yeah. After he gets built up in what he's doing now. And I think, I honestly think we're going to see a lot of parallels pulled by Omega with with coda oh yeah in their whole tag thing it's like well i didn't tell you to do all those moves you 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 had that idea or something along those lines yeah so like i think it would be really interesting to see like for the story development for hangman is like having having those like the jabroni faces that they have you know, Brandon Cutler types, yeah. <laughs> like unite behind, like Hangman, Hangman carrying the banner of we might hate ourselves, but we recognize that we're decent people. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, building Hangman as like this, an, an actual foil to this toxic nature of Kenny Omega, as like a, I brought these people with me because I care about them, and like you know, showing that difference to Kenny and like reaching out a hand and saying hey we're here if you want us I did okay. just beat you but we're here if you want us I think Aaron and I might have just had the same realization okay I'm just I, I just have like a mental image I want to share with everyone okay, now before that though I do want to address something chat said it'll take two seconds yep. silver is becoming Brody Lee except silver is a power bottom yeah yes. yeah 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 entirely yeah, yeah. Um, handsome around the mouth. <laughs> He's got a pretty <laughs> good butt. He's a real handsome guy. He's got a nice yeah. butt, so. Yeah. So, the mental image I have is like all out next year with Kenny and Hangman main event for the title. I want to see Brendan Cutler seconding Hangman now. Aw, that'd be cute. I, I think I- that that would be an incredible story to tell. I think personally, my, like for me, it's gonna pain me because I think the Bucks and Kenny as a unit is is it's my it's my very special place. But I think I think the Bucks have to second Hangman. I think they have to fix the mistake they made. Yeah. I think they have to fix things. And then there's that hanging thread on BTE. Who used Hangman's phone to text Matt back? Yeah, who took like, it out of the pumpkin? Who took it out of the pumpkin and said those awful things? Like, so was it I Kenny? Have, was it was the it person Cody? who attacked Mark? Listen, it I could have, be Cody. I here's my long term theory: Ooh. burning from all the way back in the Bullet Club Civil War. Cody in like right before right around all out like when he was having those problems or like right after all out when he started like having those really big confidence issues mm-hmm. cody was the one that was like hey man i know you know has he and matt and nick recently like they have got their own evp locker room but you know i'm always here if you need me 
you know, the Bullet Club Civil War ended really, like, unsatisfactory because all in happened and you have to, you know, there were so many things going on. But it doesn't mean they can't do something in their own company. Mm -hmm. Like, I I kind of feel like... (laughs) Cody's been this plant all along where he's tried to tell us all this all this time that he's this great guy but he's I been manipulating Hangman and the elite around him they kicked him out of the group they didn't kick him out of the group he just left it like yeah. Cody was part of the elite like what happened there he just stopped showing up exactly yeah. so I think Cody I think I think there's something there I, I still think there's something there and I think that there's like there's some threads between Kenny and Cody that have yet to come back yeah. back yeah. around because I think like we need it like we need like whatever it is like we needed to have a little bit of a revel- like a resolution there so I think Cody is my money on the pumpkin phone person is Cody but my money on the person who attacked Mox and I really want this to be true is I'd love it to be I'd love it to be Kenta like I'd love it to be like New Japan like I'd love is that. Kenta in the states too? Yeah, he is he is? Yeah, he in was Florida. doing Los Angeles dojo stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, and he is. He actually is, he actually is in Florida. Um, oh, yeah, he's in Florida. Um, and you know, if if Mox loses the belt and we don't get a continuation of like the only other thing I can see happening, like without the clean win, but like blame it on someone else, take the feud in another direction. Like if Kenny and Mox are not going to feud again, like directly after something happens. Mm-hmm then it's got to be for the u.s title the, the new japan u.s title yeah like mm-hmm. because if you if you fucked over Mo- if you fucked over Mox, he's coming after you like it doesn't matter who you are oh my I- i'm just thinking like a new japan title defended on AEW. that would be fucking amazing incredible right? <laughs> and they keep like every every interview that they've been doing they've been addressing the elephant in the room but it's always in these very coy like we're open to anything so, yeah like- and they've shown they are yeah right. so, yeah having a, new, I, having I a had, title defense on a aw pay-per-view like yeah yeah uh, but to go back to uh kenny for a second i had a realization is the dark order in hangman what if hangman actually joins the dark order because the dark order is a lot like bullet club was in new japan and we know that Kenny has talked about, like, he is more like Okada here, mm-hmm. and yeah. Hangman is more like he was. So, like, what if... So, Kenny had this, you know, evil stable behind him that in kayfabe was all ego and didn't really want to be with him. Um, you know, Dark Order... They're a family, but only insofar as, like, they have this, like, power amongst each other. Mm-hmm. And... They're like a so mutually I... abusive sex cult. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, literally they are. Literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I think they recognize a, a an opportunity in Hangman. And so, like, if you know hangman comes out with the dark order behind him with kenny as like this big shot evp you know that i mean there's definitely the parallels there's definitely parallels yeah, there. there's yeah. definitely parallels and i feel like again any the the weird thing about aew is anything could happen mm-hmm. like all yeah. these things are they they 
drop going back to like the style of storytelling that you know the bucks and kenny like um you know they like to set up these potentials like knowing like these are all like tropes and like things that happen mm -hmm. in wrestling and but they're you know they use them on their context of like things that we've seen before and then they like to kind of like twist them so it's like any any one of these like things could happen as a distinct possibility and i mm -hmm. think that's why it makes it so interesting because it's like we don't know how the stories like sometimes you can kind of tell like you could tell that like you said like eddie wasn't gonna win the belt yeah but, i really but, wish he did though yeah but like i think eddie's gonna get his time is just definitely not now yeah yeah but yeah. like then the then the Pac thing i think is like super interesting because like until uh you know they showed the promo i don't think anyone like there were kind of rumblings but before that people didn't really know where like what would happen after eddie and mox yeah. so i think like that is like a really interesting direction to take it in and even now like you know who's gonna remain in the family who's not you know mm -hmm. i don't think like making the uh, lucha brothers fight and like tear each other's mask off and then you know them coming back together that was something that was at least for me difficult to uh like i couldn't have predicted that so again like there's all these little pieces i got worked real hard the night that penta and phoenix wrestled. oh same like, um yeah, big same uh, real bad um and when pa when uh pot came out i was like yeah you killed the, you you kill eddie kingston you, you get him um yep. who predicted in 2020 that uh uh, uh pop would come back as a face it was inevitable right yeah uh, yeah death but, triangle the heel trio is now baby face yeah. <laughs> only by circumstance like I know. but, but yeah, you but know that's like that's that's the fun thing is like again all these little bits and bobs like they leave kind of these lingering threads but then you never quite know how they're going to be picked up and some of that is because it's you know improvisational in a way it's like well what are we most again you know to go back to the role-playing thing is like what's the direction that we're most interested in seeing like we've set everything up until this point like what do all of us as people who are invested in our character storylines what are we most interested in seeing and that's like the direction that AEW ends up going in. It doesn't yeah. always work out. It doesn't always make for like, the, you know, they often have to try twice. Right. Yeah. They often, but they almost always like manage to resolve that kind of like loop in the end in a very satisfying way. And like when you look at it in its totality, the only like, the only time I can think where that didn't happen was the Nightmare Collective. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say literally, yeah. God bless her, literally anything with Brandy Rhodes. She's not I, had the I best mean, luck she, at making She's doing stick. okay right now. Like, I no, like this thing that's good. going on right now with yeah. Jade. I'm definitely interested where that's going to go. You know, I'm going to keep watching it. But yeah. um, I'm going to keep cheering for the heels because Jade Cargill's vegan. Yeah, that's like literally she, all it takes. She also, looks she also just looks yeah. incredible. Yeah. So. Incredible. Yeah, also, uh, you know, Nyla Rose. What the hell? Also, Nyla Rose. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I well, yeah, just uh, an unironic, a completely sincere stan account for Vicky Guerrero at all times. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I, I just I never really know what's gonna happen. Like, that's why, like, on the night of 
um, full gear. I, Mikey can attest to this. Uh, I thought I the was bucks, like holding the bucks back themselves time. into a corner. And like a year ago, I was not a young bucks person. I yeah. like, especially like during their stuff with Hangman, like I, like I was like, oh, these assholes. Um, but I became a young bucks person because I went back and I watched all the old BT yep. where I got to see them like slogging their way through like road trips and it just indie became, shows in nowhere yeah i just became like a big fan of them and then i kind of tuned into like i feel like you have to watch the young bucks live to get the young bucks yeah mikey and i went to a show here in cleveland and um we just saw them in a dark wrestle a dark match and when we both just kind of realized they were just two looney tune characters wrestling yep. um it clicked like um, because you couldn't you could never hear their banter on Dynamite because the audio had, had been weird so for so long. Yeah. Um, seeing them do their thing in the ring and actually being able to hear it like helped out a lot. So when I was watching this match at Full Gear between FTR, who are their like rival rivals, um, I was I was like crying during like the mat like a portion of the match where like Matt was like taking all the heat and Nick had been like like done away with because i thought they were gonna lose yeah there was it wasn't look, look like they were gonna get any shine in there and i predicted ftr at the start of it yeah i yeah. thought they were gonna lose and i was like crying because i'm like matt i was just like it got sucking just... in so much because i'm like matt just please come on um and greatest finished wrestling the guy that never does a flip tried to do a flip and he lost <laughs> i cursed him out on twitter over that I, okay so my <laughs> thing about that match is that like the Never challenge again stipulation ruined the suspense of that match for me. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because I they're not going to do the same thing they did with Cody again. In the moment, yeah. like in the moment when I was like completely sucked into the match and like my, like I, my Mark brain not like went out the window. I was like, Oh my God, they could, he could lose this. Like, Matt, if you lose this, you never will be able to challenge for the belt again. And like, it came at a point where like Cash was standing in the ring and like he did the two sweet. And like when that happened, like all that BTE history like washed over me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you did, I'm like, Matt, you did this to yourself. Like, yeah. And I was like completely sucked in. So like, that's why yeah. I was like hyper <laughs> The, the thing is, like, I think you could have gotten a lot of that if that stipulation hadn't been there. I would like, have I been, have... yeah, I, I think I would have been yes. more wrapped had the stipulation not been there because. Yeah, so I, th I think that was just them, like, again, like, not quite uh, sticking the setup, but then, like, sticking the landing. It was like, yeah. like, they they added two. Just like a little bit too much. Too much. Like, yeah, it was too much. Yeah, a little bit too much cumin to the like mix. And yeah. then it's like, well, this tastes really cumin y. So that's kind of taking me out of the experience of these like refried beans, you know? Mm hmm. That's a, that's a very good metaphor because too much cumin and refried beans and just destroy the flip. I should make beans. <laughs> uh, just real quick, I did pick up something there that you said, Charlie, with being able to hear the bucks in the ring. And that making you a fan, that is like one of those silver linings of this pandemic era. Mm -hmm. And that being able to hear what's happening in the ring is such a key. Mm -hmm. Because most of the stuff that I, I would do beforehand was going to indie shows. Mm -hmm. Where you're sitting 
five feet away from the ring and you can hear everything. If they talk too loud, you know what the next spot is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So getting that extra level in there has been so good to see other people experience that might not normally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to throw that in. Yeah, and some of that comes from being stationary in Jacksonville, too. Because, like, when you have to pick up and set up, like, in a different place literally every month, like, every week, I think that, like, your setup is never, like, I mean, it's hard enough when you're just sitting in the same place, like, streaming. Because, like, something is always changing on your computer Mm -hmm. or something, right? But with staying in the same place and all of that machinery being able to remain stable, I think it's, like, helped them get the sound level like much more consistent where you can hear the match. Yeah, the, the technical issues really needed that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I think also with like the the Bucks and FTR match, um I think what really really impressed me with the Bucks um to a different level is they maybe did 10% of their offense. Like yep maybe two or three bucks, like classic buck spots. I haven't seen the Matt and Nick do more bang for your buck in a long while. And I, I need it. Give it to me. It's one of the best moves <laughs> in wrestling. Like, what are you doing? Um, but I was really impressed when I went back and watched it again. And I was like, I mean, they're playing the story of Matt's foot, like his ankle. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're not doing all the offense. Yep. But it's like, it's still such an incredible match, even though they're doing like 10% of <laughs> So like that actually kind of the talk of Jacksonville kind of does lead into one of the things that I like, you know, I I want to like emphasize because it's something that I missed the first couple of times is how dramatically the actual weather affects the quality of the matches. Yeah. So Kenny said, "Oh God, this the is match a horrible with story." He and Hangman. He literally had to go and get like a full body ice bath after it. Mm -hmm, Um, Let me see. I can find the exact quote because I know where I posted it. (laughs) After his full gear match with Hangman Page, he needed an ice pack just to get his body temperature down. He was kept, he kept ice on him for two hours until he felt normal. It's like, not, sorry, I'm whatever the equivalent of a mark for Survivor is. But there was that one time on Survivor where they had a challenge in, like, 103 Fahrenheit heat. And, like... Oh, gosh. It was, like, a four or five hour challenge. And they ended up having to airlift a guy out because he just was, like, had such bad heat stroke. Like, you're, you're dealing with, like, incredibly hot temperatures during the summer. And yeah. now that it's cooling and, you know, down, you know, you're wrestling in like, oh, I mean, gotta convert. Part of why All Out was kind of the way All Out was. Yeah, so you're, you're wrestling in like 60 degree weather. I had to convert from Celsius. Um, <laughs> and it's like, that's hard to do, you know, that's cold. But your muscles aren't going to have as much give because your muscles yeah. are tensing it's up because of in the Florida, cold. And, you know, in Florida, it's, only, it's either one extreme or the other. Jacksonville's North Florida, too. So, like, yeah. it's not... They get weather there. They don't. Yeah. yeah, it's not just like, hey, it could rain. Maybe it's gonna maybe rain this afternoon, like for five, like five weeks in a row. Yeah. Like, yeah. So like, I hope at some point, FTR and Hangman and Kenny as tag teams maybe get a redo. Mm-hmm. I didn't think the match was bad. I thought it was really good, but I was kind of sad that like the way that things played out because it was so hot. 
but it was also such a big story element for mm-hmm. H- Kenny and Hangman, like at that same time. So I, I wish that could have gone a little bit differently. I, no, uh, for sure. Um, worth noting, Wednesday is going to be 57 Fahrenheit, 14C. It's going to be chill. cold. A little chilly. Yeah, it's like that's one of those things like you know you hate having to make caveats for wrestling before it happens (laughs) but keep it in mind but keep yeah that's something i just want to emphasize to keep in mind when we when like you know people watch these matches is that they're wrestling in 14 degrees celsius it's not exactly premium wrestling temperature and actually this will i'll bring this up because uh reading the young by the way if you want to read a book that's very eye-opening to like the creation of all elite wrestling, the Young Bucks book is a really good one. Um, or even just like like I I was actually surprised how much it goes into just how tenuous the business was like that they came up in like the indie scene has changed so much. Yeah. Obviously, they're still they change it. They were a yeah. big part of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For um, you know, but it got you know there were several points in the book that I didn't expect to make me cry. One of them distinctly was when they were talking to, like, it was on the cusp of determining whether or not they were going to go to WWE or mm-hmm. start All Elite Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the way that it it's phrased in the book, I mean, in just the way in general, um, Kenny was making this decision with them, and he didn't particularly want to be living out of a suitcase with WWE, but he knew that if he like he knew that because of his own perfectionism and the expectations of the fans that if he did not leave new japan soon enough it was going to kill him right like and it was a very it was like it cut me i was like yeah didn't think about it like i i just hadn't you know what i mean i know kenny's a absolutely top level performer but i just didn't think about it that way um, because Kenny never, he's a very quiet person. He doesn't right. talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. He doesn't talk about his body breaking down. Um, oh, he like goes 110% Tyson, every night. Yeah, Tyson yeah. Smith is a very private, very shy person. Yeah. Um, so you don't hear it a lot, but obviously when you watch all those matches, like, duh, Kenny's jumping from, doing a springboard moonsault from the top rope in the audience. Yeah, or like... like even stuff that he's come out with recently where, you know, someone uh, will, there's someone on Twitter that'll do the, like, this day and blah, 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 like, this match happened. And Kenny talked about one of, I think it was the G1 matches with, um, gosh, I forget who it is now. Naito? Naito, yeah. Where he said he literally couldn't stand after that. Like, he was, he had vertigo so bad, he was just like so sick and disoriented yeah. like he basically couldn't almost couldn't stand during the match and like for uh you know like two days afterwards he was like just throwing up all the time and just hor- it was just miserable and like the fact that he just like kept wrestling through that you know like that's just one instance but um like when he had to pull out due to injury uh, from the New Japan Cup, like, actually right before, or, like, in the middle of his Okada thing. Like, there was kind of a storyline that they set up and then had to pivot because he physically couldn't do that. Like, that, he was yeah. so disappointed in himself for having to pull out, and that was because he literally physically couldn't perform. Like, yep. um, right now, he's got a torn, la- he's wrestling with the torn labrum, and he's like, I'm just having them cup and do physical therapy 
because like I'm on the cusp of having to have surgery or not. And I don't want to take time out to have surgery to, um, he has a torn labrum in his shoulder and his fucking finishing move is using his shoulder. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. How long have we been going? Two hours. Uh, It's been two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out, um, this is like fair. I, I don't know when it happened, but it's relatively recently. He changed his pin tweet. Oh, wait! It's not. It's not John. It's not reference to Max anymore. Oh no, it is. No, I don't know how he's, long he's had that since oh, full gear last year. Yeah, yeah. The doctors. Wow. This has literally been a full. Me. It's been yeah. a year and I, some change. Yeah, I lost. The doctors too- won't clear me for TV. Yeah, I've. I called it the like i was i people you know some of my friends are like oh he just doesn't know how to change his pin tweet i'm like no that is specific because they knew that kenny was going to take the belt off of max Mm -hmm. it was just when that was going to happen like kenny is the only person who can take it off of him and if not just because of the star power in AEW, it's because the story told you so yeah like yeah no that's kenny's it's been kenny's pin tweet for a while yeah, yeah. But- I still think the most romantic thing I've ever seen in wrestling is Kenny saving the broken glass from the table that Mox put him through <laughs> to shove it back in his mouth. Oh, <laughs> I couldn't good. watch most of that match. I loved that match. I don't do hardcore. It felt like a forty. It felt like a forty-minute horror movie, but I yeah. think I can mark it as I can mark it as when I like got really interested in Kenny, like that match, okay. like um, because of the storytelling that he does when he's stalking Mox up the ramp. Yeah. with a screwdriver in his hand and he is looking like he's going insane and then there's like red light like on him i'm like what is this? <laughs> um it is it is storytelling perfection from the both of them and i can i can only like that kind of i'm sure that like helped mock kenny be like oh you know this guy this guy i can make magic with yeah yeah so i'm really but, looking forward to but yeah today. Kenny, Kenny's just like it's completely believable to me that if he had stayed in Japan, New Japan, like his he would have. He even he even said oh, in he said the that yesterday this too. Week. Oh, so no, in the interview right. for his pre-workout supplement, he said, "I would rather go out like at hundred ten percent in a blaze of glory, like tearing my body apart, than I would like just to like fizzle out." And because someone's like, do you think you're going to be wrestling at like 50, like Jericho? And Kenny's like, I don't know. I might not be able to. And I'm like, Kenny. It's a 50-50 shot at this point. I'm like, he's like, my body might not be capable. Well, and then he had like a a neck issue. What was it? He had like a- um, It's like a herniation. Herniation in his neck. Back when he was like a junior that he thought was going to- make him unable to wrestle like forever and so it's like i mean then that's like you know the the push and you know that's the push and the pull of wrestling is like knowing that people's bodies are you know mutable things or like fragile things mm-hmm. and like yeah. they're not yeah. forever and i think kenny has this it, kenny seems to have this interesting relationship with his body which i I think he's very proud of the fact and I think this plays it it's so as silly as it is I think it plays into his want to give people some sort of pre-workout supplement some sort of like supplement nutritional whatever 
is because I think he, for the longest time, couldn't take care of his body the way that he wanted that he, it needed to mm-hmm. be, or he could. Because I mean, as much as a lot of stuff that was happening with like the initial cleaner character was Kenny's very real frustrations about like keeping himself at a junior heavyweight level of weight, and mm-hmm. when he talks when he talks about like I had to starve, like when he gives that uh, promo because on AJ when he kicked him out of the Bullet Club. Um, it's very real. Like Kenny was starving himself in order to continue to be a junior heavyweight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got an interesting relationship with his like body because obviously cutting weight is disordered eating. Like it just yeah, is. no, like yeah. that was like, the thing. Like we we had we had, um in my high school we had like multiple assemblies on eating disorders specifically for the kids on the wrestling team. Yeah, yep. and then like even even football. Like, I remember, you know, my brother's team, like, he was, I think he was in football. He wasn't even to high school yet. So you're with, like, kids that are, you know, like, either just starting puberty or right on the cusp of puberty, and their bodies want to grow. So, like, during a year of time, like, they're going, their bodies are going to change dramatically. But you have to, if you're playing football, you have to remain in the weight limit because they don't want people to get hurt which is very understandable but then you have kids like not drinking water or like only drinking or only eating like um certain things the day before and then they don't drink any water in the morning so they don't have water weight and it's like yeah it's 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 rough and the fact that you know not only that you like couple stuff like that with having to be on a bus and like not knowing where your next meal is going to come from also just like yeah that the the touring life that they had to deal with in japan is significantly significantly harder than you know like it's hard on your body to be doing that constantly yeah yeah. it's funny because people want to get all all over kenny for having his like little meal kits he gets like delivered to it's healthy that way like you know what i mean like people get on him about that because they're weird i guess right well it's um, like i think on it, shot of brandy brandy talks about how she gets like her food from eat clean bro yeah it's like yeah. you know i'm gonna judge them for where they get their food from not yeah. that yeah. they get food delivered yeah yeah like like it's it's so weird what people want to pick apart um especially with kenny like that's a whole weird can of worms but like it's it's so hard like i did taekwondo for a bit and as a vegetarian like i would get to i was also like counting calories which is can you make a (laughs) pre-workout yeah um like counting calories is a whole yeah speaking of pre-workouts that are good for vegetarians and vegans vega sport pre-workout powder they're not actually oh, a sponsor i was gonna make a g yeah, fuel joke yeah you're getting a pyramid scheme <laughs> g yeah. fuel How is dare. a pyramid scheme <laughs> gamer fuel let me just drink yeah. yeah gamer fuel mountain dew it's fine oh god uh, <laughs> but yeah like i would get to the end of the day and i would realize like it's so easy as a vegetarian to just eat um like cheese and carbs and I would get to the end of the day and realize, like, I was so behind on protein, but I only had, like, so many calories that I could consume and, like, stay under, you know, because I, I I was really trying to, like, 
lose weight, but also, you know, be like healthy and stuff for Taekwondo. And cause I was doing that like four or five days a week, um, which was just like, not a system. It was not, you know, it was making my body really tired in the end of the day, but it is what it is. So I would just eat like egg, you know, the egg, like egg? the egg juice, like a uh, liquid, like liquid egg whites and stuff like that. I would just like put that in a cup, like have like a quarter or a half cup of that, just like put it with some herbs and like salt and pepper in the microwave and like make like an egg souffle in the microwave. And that would be what I would eat or like tablespoons of peanut butter with like peanut butter protein powder, like mixed in because it's like, that was how I could get more protein and like only in like 200 calories or whatever. Right. Cause because like it's so hard especially being vegetarian but just in general like when you're doing any kind of athletics to maintain like the level of protein that you need i have my jar of snack peanut butter here for that exact reason mm -hmm. yeah mine's upstairs <laughs> yeah so it's it's like i can't even imagine like that was hard enough for me and i was doing that as like a hobby of course like when you're in martial arts you know it's not ever really a hobby it's just like you're you're in it and you have to be serious about it but right. you know well, it is what yeah, it is like but, I, I went through something very similar when I was doing um, competitive fencing and like you know obviously the, the, the physical toll of you know, any sort of sport like that is going to be a lot but like taekwondo is I'd argue probably a little bit more but even so like yeah. you know I'm there at the fencing studio like working out basically doing squat a single squat for two hours a day four days a week and it's like then also not eating on top of that and like as even before i was a vegetarian let alone a vegan i don't think i could do something that massively protein intensive now yeah like it's you know i just because i i love sparring like sparring was the thing that i liked the most which is just like the fighting part of like taekwondo like mm -hmm. when I, I i would do like sparring class i can't remember if i started to do it like i know i did it once a week i think i started to do it twice a week at some point because i got to like my um like instructor let me go to the upper level one as well um so like i really really enjoyed doing that i can't imagine like doing this for your job and also trying to manage your nutrition and then also traveling like that is inconceivable to me especially when like the a lot of the places like the young bucks and stuff can eat are like freaking like chilies or tgi fridays tgi fridays in japan you know it's it's just like because um like i don't know if you all know this but like matt is allergic to seafood mm-hmm and so like a lot of japan is seafood yeah like he's straight up it will just make him so sick that it's like not even worth doing and yeah so like i don't begrudge anyone getting like meal kits things that you just pop in the microwave because well <laughs> like... and the thing the thing with wrestlers specifically is the shows are in the evening yeah like a show runs from like seven till ten and then you've got an hour afterwards of, of mingling. By the time you get out of there, the only thing open is maybe fast food. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're not getting anything I was going to say a Waffle House. Yeah, yeah, he said as much. Actually, yesterday when we listened to this interview, he's like, you know, I know that like eating a McDonald's breakfast at 3 a.m. isn't the best thing for my body. Like, 
but sometimes it's all there is. That's what's um, open when you get out of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that really shows like the divide also between like wrestling. Like there's a lot of stuff about the business of wrestling, which is complicated, but like the difference between like football players who are getting like managed food and like nutrition coaches mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. They yeah. have people, they're making like multiple millions of dollars and they have people that just do that for them wrestlers like don't get that same level of management because the the money like as much as wwe even likes to pretend that they're like money wise on the level of the nfl they definitely are not right um like nowhere near like maybe uh several um like degrees of freedom less right um so just look at like look at the base salary right like base nfl salary Oh yeah. Versus base WWE salary. If yeah, Selena Vega can WWE... make more money off of Twitch oh, than she can, Twitch, yeah. yeah. I think like uh, I feel like I've heard like the minimum like downsides guarantee, like a starting uh, downsides guarantee. I was gonna say even less. I heard like thirty thousand. I'd heard sixty as like okay. the updated figure a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. The, we actually talked about it on the might... show. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might have been an old one, but still like. You know, that's not that much when you consider that you don't get insurance or any benefits. You got to pay for your travel, you got to pay for yeah, your yeah, health, you got to pay for your food. Yeah. So, like, getting meal kits and make it because the biggest thing for any athlete in both training and food is consistency. Mm-hmm. Like, because consistency of what's going in will mean consistency of performance. So, you know, having like, you know, frozen food that you can either ship to the hotel or like bring with you when you're traveling and just have like, especially if it's, it's not realistic, like, you know, not that many people, I think it's like a lot of people like don't like cooking and aren't good at cooking. Like it's not fun to make his house. There's nothing in there. (laughs) It's not even his, like really his house, but like, also it's not like nobody wants to sit there and cook like 12 eggs. Like, that's what Brian Cage eats is like 12, like, bl- plain eggs, like scrambled eggs. Like, are you going to sit there and really cook? Like, that's not, you know, so it's like, it makes sense that you're just going to. We know Kenny loves junk food. Like, if you've seen him. He loves shovel... heads. That's what's. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> shoves, like, shovel skills into his mouth on BTE or like eat <laughs> well, chocolate like, cookies like covered in Nutella or like some, like, of that is, like some of that is to like oh like I'm going to work out I need like fast carbs or I just finished working out I need to replenish and that's literally what pre-workout is, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look at like look at like him eating like skittles or sour gummy worms versus like a pre-workout like pre-workout is probably better than like what he's at least pre-workout has b vitamin complexes in it as opposed to just like sour patch kids are literally pure sugars it's not even like real sugar it's high fructose like kenny shoving sour patch kids into his mouth like or eating or eating skittles and just saying i'm a mess yeah a bit like that's that's That's, a thing that happens it's real Okay, so before we wrap things up, because we've been going for two and a half hours, and that's a lot. I was going to say, we got to get out of here. We got deep Um, on the... the, Erin needs to go back to work to pick up her Switch. Yeah, it's important. (laughs) Having the Switch is important. Um, Yeah, she's going to get lonely. God damn it, (laughs) Erin. Took me a second. Anyway, 
Before we get going, I do want to ask producer Aitsu, who has a very uncanny ability to predict the outcome of wrestling matches, like, to a T. Aitsu, who do you think is going to win between, if you're still in chat, who do you think is going to win between Mox and Omega? That'll be, I think they're still in chat. According to Twitch, they are. I know they were saying earlier they didn't want to say anything because then it was going to be... Yeah, that that's why we're inviting them. them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. so while we wait for that, um, my recommendation real quick, I actually asked Mikey this week what he would recommend as, like, go to Kenny Omega Fair. And I got sent five videos. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, I made a really- playlist. <laughs> I didn't. This was before I realized that I was actually invited to be on the podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I told you, no, don't lie to these people. Uh, Twitch, so yeah. uh, Twitter DMs are bad. So Twitter yeah, DMs so... are bad. We should just get a group DM on Discord going. Yeah, Probably. for real. So yeah, Mikey sent me CEO 2018, which is Golden Lovers taking on Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi. Which I love because Los Ingobernables de Japón is my faction in NJPW. <laughs> also, they start L-I-J. out wrestling. They start out, I just need to say, like, to shout out this match. They start out by putting a stuffed cat in the middle of the ring and they expect Ken- Kenny and Coda to wrestle. I think that, I think Daryl could take both of them at the same time. Probably. But, you know, just in case that, that sells you on it at all. Yeah. There's also the AEW Dark episode that had Kenny and Joey Janela in a holds barred match, which was a lead up to the first Mox match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryanson versus Tyler Black from ROH Bound by Hate to Bound by Hate 2008. <laughs> Good job, Ring of Honor. <laughs> which is a really interesting one to me to look at because, like, one of these things is not like the others. Yeah, one of these things didn't go to WWE. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like, like that's why I sent you so many because it's like Kenny Omega is so many different things. He's so multifaceted. Yeah, yeah. That you really have to like, you know, if you really want to see him in action, it's like you have to have like these five different facets of him. Yeah. Then there is Kenny Omega versus Pento Zero Miedo. Miedo. I, I'm not even going to try to say it right. I'm sorry. I'm tired. She can barely speak French. <laughs> I can't yeah. speak English. Yeah. Uh, from All In, which is a great match. Yeah. And The Elite, which is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega taking out Kushida, Matt Seidel, and ACH. I haven't got to that one yet, but it looks really good. Because uh, yeah, I had to have an Elite match on there. Personal, personal shout out. If you have New Japan World. I used to. Kenny I have Pro now. Kenny Omega, um, Wrestle Kingdom 10, Kenny Omega versus Kushida. If you want to see the cleaner distilled, like it is in that match. It's got Young Bucks interference. It's got Kenny Omega and the cold spray. It's got the cleaner. It's got the trash can. It's got the broom. It's got a lot of stuff, and I love it. Wrestle Wrestle Kingdom Kingdom 10? 10? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, Kenny there's Omega like a minute Kushida. preview on YouTube. I don't think there's a full match on YouTube. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure we the, can the find The hard thing with NJ, it's on daily. It's on um. It's on um. Daily Motion. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, I was gonna say I'm sure there's a it's less than scrupulous motion. way to yeah. find it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never linked to, to those though. The only re- well, the reason I didn't want to link to Daily Motion is because NJPW and Asahi TV is so diligent about taking those down 
Yeah. yeah. Like people just continually re-upload them, but <laughs> we would give you a link and then like in two weeks it would be they would be gone. Yeah. Like I yeah. said I checked the one that I did before to see that it's still up, but yeah. Yeah. Usually I just throw yeah. YouTube links. Okay. Yeah, that's why I'm like, you know, the the CEO one, that's it's an edge APW court uh, collaboration, but it's mm -hmm. free yeah. on YouTube. So So before we end this episode, which has been probably our longest episode to date, but also the most engaged I've been in an episode thus far. Like, in <laughs> Sorry, terms of, like... You brought Match Club on. We yeah. We, we, <laughs> we should they do. We should do we this do. more yeah, often. We just, we just go. Aw. Speaking of Match Club and other things, uh, if you guys have plugs, now would be a wonderful time to give them. We're opening up the plug bag. Okay, I'm taking I'm taking the plugs out. I do the plug um for Match Club, so I'll do it here. Um, so you can find our podcast Match Club at Match Club Pod on Twitter. Um, you can find um our podcast on every pod catcher thing available, um, iTunes, Spotify, app, whatever. The, the joke I give is it, wherever podcasts it. are sold. Whenever podcasts yeah. are sold, you can find it there. Um, you can find it also on our website, superkick.party, which we will continue to have until the Young Bucks come and try and take it from me, and then I will graciously give it to them because I love them. Um, you can you find... could probably get a little bit of money from them oh, for yeah. it. That's also... Yeah, they can fine. pay us the $3,000 that it takes to buy the domain match.club. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Or they can pay me in Young Bucks Bucks. Or they can pay me in other other ways um, that I won't talk about here. But, um... Is it is it ways that are God-honoring because they are Christian AF? They are Christian AF. <laughs> 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 only, only on, we only honor God here. Matt's original oil pastels. Yes. Uh, yeah, they can, Matt can give me one of his paintings. Um... But um, you can find a lot of things there besides the podcast. Um, I've written essays put up there. We've had essays in the past written by other individuals. Um, I want to continue with that tradition um, because I like posting stuff about wrestling there. Um, you can find me personally at Genetic Ghost on Twitter, where I talk primarily about wrestling. Um, I do comics work too. Um, I have um, a lot. I do a lot of writing about current X-Men comics and current Marvel comics over at XavierFiles.com. Um, you can find my writing there um, as well. And that's about it for me. Yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at quantum.dot and my website quantum.dot.space. That's a quantum.period space. Um, so I do, I do a lot of talking about wrestling uh, as well as tabletop role-playing games, as you might've guessed. Um, I don't have any like current projects that I'm working on other than my uh, tabletop role-playing game, uh, No Place Like Home, which is based on Twin Peaks and Silent Hill. That's like my perpetual project. Um, but I am slowly but surely working on a piece uh, detailing the changes and kind of my thoughts on the redesign of AEW Dynamite from a graphic design perspective. Oh. Um, so I have, I'm slowly working on it. It's a lot of work, but uh, it's really interesting to me because they recently redid their intro. They redid all the interstitial graphics. They redid all the social graphics and kind of like as kind of like the, the end of the first year of Dynamite and the beginning of the second year. So when that comes up, that will be in places that will be linked on my Twitter. I haven't decided if I'm going to put it on our blog or Medium or both. 
Uh, so. Who knows? Um, also, the next episode of Match Club, um, which will go up this month, which will be December, um, will be the third installment of the three-part series that we have done detailing Kenny Omega and Okada's um, amazing feud that they had in New Japan. So in this last episode, we will, be, we will be covering everything up basically until Kenny leaves New Japan. Uh, it's going to have a lot of feelings because we're getting into Golden Lover's territory. Mm. Um, yeah. So it'll be a good one to to wrap all this up. And then after we've spent three months detailing Kenny Omega's almost entire wrestling career, we will um, move on to something else. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I don't want to like say, put it in stone, but I'm personally pushing for Allie and Rosemary. And yeah, you should get Aaron on for that because for, from uh, Impact. <laughs> Yeah, Aaron. we usually try and swap it around when we do like men's feuds and then ladies yep. feuds. Um, but Kenny, I, I said the stupidest thing, which was <laughs> we, we could do Kenny and Okada in one episode. That, yeah. um, you know, a multi-year feud spanning multiple forms of media in one episode. Yeah, um, totally. It's totally doable. That's it. <laughs> Okay, so just for us, as a quick wrap-up, uh, thank you for all the new people who've joined. If you'd like to give us a follow here on Twitch, we do this. It's kind of become an every-other-week thing because I'm just so burnt out from editing uh, our actual play podcast. Yeah, so, and like, yeah, still work full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but we stream here every, fr uh, every, every, other, Friday. every other Friday on uh, from starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time, depending. Ontario may be moving off of, uh, off of Standard yeah, Time onto New Daylight York Time agrees. permanently. Please agree. I have a... I won't get into it because I could do an hour on why I think it's stupid that we use Standard Time for a shorter portion of the year than we use Daylight Time. <laughs> but, yeah. um, anyway... Um, so you can follow us here on Twitch. You can also follow us at sosas.ca, S-O-S-E-S.ca. Um, that's all of our shows. Uh, then if you want to check out our podcasts, you can listen to the new episode of Unsound Theories that went up yesterday, where we watched the movie Arctic Dogs, which starred uh, a bunch of a who's who of terrible Hollywood men. <laughs> we watch I haven't movies. listened to that one yet. We watch movies with no sound and no subtitles, and then try to guess what happens in the movies. Incredible. Um, so Arctic Dogs was a fun one, because it, it gets weird. It gets real weird. Uh, we put content warnings up at the up in the description for each of those episodes so if there is something potentially triggering we try to grab it and put it in there if you do come across something triggering tweet at me at Kat Selesnia. I will add a trigger warning to that episode like immediately I you know I would rather have those there and I apologize in advance if I did miss anything I think I'm gonna have to edit the description for the most recent episode because we did talk about golden showers and that's probably something I want to put in the content warnings Ironically, or not so ironically, or referentially, and it's also the name of one of the Golden Lovers. The uh, finishing moves, the yep. double Phoenix Flash, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and then 
check out our actual play podcast. I'm taking all of Aaron's plugs. I apologize. <laughs> uh, check out our actual play podcast. Um, wherever podcasts are sold at Chicks with Dice. Um, it's, I mean, like, we're, I feel bad because it's like, it puts me in a weird position inviting trans masculine people onto our show Chicks with Dice, you know, like. But, yeah, I, 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 I can see you. that. I got you. Yeah. So we have to figure out something about that. I just, the pun was too good to pass up. Check that out. We're in the middle of a Star Wars campaign. We also have monthly one-shots. Our most recent one was wrestling-themed. We played Jeff Stormer's Big Fight Feel. Aaron did the editing on that and did an amazing job with building a rich soundscape for that. So that one's worth checking out at the very least. Um, and then, uh, God, the last thing I want to plug is my itch, which is catselesnia.itch.io. One of my games... The Fear is Just a Lie, which is inspired by Twin Peaks, Alan Wake, stuff like that. And it's a solo journaling uh, world-building game. That is available for $5 right now. But if you can't afford the $5, I don't have community copies up. Just DM me, and I will give you a PDF. I will give you a plain text if you need plain text. I don't give a shit. I'm not making a ton of money off of these things. But if you want the game... Let me know, and I'll give it to you, no questions asked. Did I not know that you had made that game? I need to get that game. It was featured on a Tor.com article for All right. horror games to play for Halloween. Hell yeah. Oh, and pick that up. go ahead oh, and uh, go ahead and tune in on your cable television to TNT on Wednesday nights. <laughs> <laughs> so you can keep up with what we're saying. And watch AEW Dynamite. A train wreck unfold during the winter's coming Mox and Kenny Omega match. Yeah. Don't look away. Don't yeah. look away. There are two handsome men doing unhandsome things to each other in the ring. Importantly, also, attractive. don't get Speaking high of... before you watch wrestling. I did that. And it's not fun. Like, you lose track of so much of what's happening. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Yeah, got to be clear headed for that one. Yeah. And talking of, speak, uh, I know we mentioned Britt Baker too, but she's on there uh, with Layla Hirsch, who has her yeah. own graphic that's really, really cool looking, yeah. um, which is exciting. And it's coming. It is a outdated pop culture reference, and I'll forgive them only this once, and if it pays off. If it doesn't, I won't forgive them for making it. And real quick, one last plug. Be sure to check out, if you want more wrestling, check out iwtv.live slash go slash media with using promotional code SOSIS. I tried. I really did there. <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So if you want to watch more wrestling and you really think that indie wrestling might be your jam because you can it watch is. things like Camp Leapfrog where they're ostensibly at a summer camp that runs all year round, you can go to iwtv.live slash go slash media and use the code media at checkout to get five free days of IWTV. After that's only $10 a month, and we get one of those dollars. Hell yeah. So if, if, you, if, you, need to come, if you need an IWTV account, a great offer to use, and, you know, but that's, that's all I have on that. I lose steam on my ad reads. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Can we wrap this up? Yes, because yep. I have to pee so badly. Thank you both for coming on, and thank you all of you who have watched through this whole episode. Uh, as we say at the end of every single one of these wonderful, glorious, and 
very tangent-fueled episodes, be gay. Ah. And do crimes bang. Marking Out With My Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at S-O-S-E-S C-A. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Intro music, intro music, intro music, intro music. Do, 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 do. That was Hey Riddle Riddle. Um, Don't steal music anymore. <laughs> we can't do this. Hey, Rooney never came after us, so it's True. fine. Okay, okay steal, steal their music then. Go for it. <laughs>